The very first purge, Paul Walker goes too fast, and Tina Turner will live forever on screen this week on 302010. Woo! Hello everyone, welcome to 302010, the Laser Time Network's weekly pop culture time machine, taking you on a journey of milestones, anniversaries, and all the cool stuff released 30, 20, and 10 years ago to this week. This week being June 8th, June 2nd through the 8th of 1993, 2003, and 2013. You will see uh, these times give way to technology, uh, evolutions in media, and how we produce it. And it's been really fascinating thus far because we are entering summer movie territory. Uh, and this week coincided with a death in a way that, like, it's not right, but... I can't believe it happened. Hi, I'm one of your hosts, Chris Antista. Who else is with me? I'm Diana Goodman, and most podcasts do things nice and easy, <laughs> but we never, ever do anything <laughs> nice and easy. We podcast nice and rough. Mmm, gross. <laughs> and <laughs> I am J.R. Rawls, and remember that I am an ass. Though it be not written down, yet forget not that I am I'm an ass. Mm. Oh, it's always great to have one ass in the program. Maybe that means it's not me this time. I somehow doubt it. Welcome to June 2nd through 8th. Uh, once again, thanks to all our patrons at patreon.com slash laser time supporting the show and the whole network. We should have some bonus stuff for you uh, very quickly. I had a crazy weekend. Buddy's back from Japan. I want to talk new movies for once um, because there have been a lot of great movies this summer. So patreon.com slash laser time is where you can hear that. Uh, five bucks. Bonus 302010 shows. Uh, we go b- b- bigger in the Diana's Classic Corner segment with the 80s in depth. Thank you so much for your support. Moving on, 302010, 1993, June 2nd through the 8th. Let's set the table here. Uh, it's 30 years ago, and Mariah Carey marries Sony Music CEO Tony Motala, uh, Motala for uh, the, they divorced in 1998. Hey. Mm, she married the boss. Yeah, that's always well, really strange for a pop megastar to do. Uh, so listen to some interviews with her about the relationship, and it's going to like eerily mirror uh, Tina Turner's relationships in a lot of ways. Mm. I kept mm. coming across clips of her saying, I was a prisoner in my own home. He'd send guys after me, you know, a lot wow. of, a lot of not great, not stuff. cool stuff. Yeah. And I, I, the pop culture takeaway was sort of like, you wanted to be, she, she was a good girl. She's a sweet girl. Right. She's the girl next door. And then after they divorced, all of a sudden she is the sexiest woman in the world. Yeah. She She's was like, fuck that noise. Here I am in a bikini. Yeah. I, I remember discovering Mariah Carey, like floral print, sh- print shirts, the shortest short may go up to the mid thigh. And she's just dancing around a field of flowers. And boy, did that change in 1998. I mm-hmm. want to say for the better, but I don't want to sound like a pig about it. Uh, yeah. <laughs> hey, she's doing what she wants to do. Yeah, definitely for the better. Also in music news, uh, on his 35th birthday, Prince announces he's changing his name to an unpronounceable symbol. It stays that way until 2000. And I love talking about this. (laughs) Why 2000? Not because he wants to party like it's 1999. Right. Because that's what his contract ends. There... I, just, I remember the reports on this. The, he was He got a reputation for being a pretentious asshole for doing this because I guess, you know, he's was somewhat reclusive at this point 
he wasn't really saying why, but it's a brilliant way to fuck over your record company. And yeah. I, that's what he was doing because he was making so much music and getting so little for it. Make a different name uh, or make your name unmarketable until they drop you from your contract. That's <laughs> uh, a ballsy move, especially to do for seven years now that we know what the life cycle is of most musicians. Uh, but Prince, daring, bold. Oh, where's his movie? Uh this was the talk of the schoolyard, mm-hmm. though. I mean, oh, everyone yeah. was going, what is this? How do you say this? And uh, late night fodder. I remember yep. joke after joke about this. None of and it addressing what really I just said. None of, none of it addressing what, what I just said. So I wonder if he wasn't talking about that. And maybe legally he might not want to. No. Le- yeah. Legally, you don't want to say, well, I'm doing this to screw over the holders of my legally binding contract. Yes, who own his name. <laughs> Please. Who own music release under the name Prince. And that in and of itself should be a fascinating movie. <laughs> it's it's a great, it sounds like a Mel Brooks movie for fuck's sake. Like, found a loophole. Ooh, yeah, make it, make it some wackety schmackety uh, dark comedy about the music. Industry. Right, because he was pissed, but he wasn't starving. So this has no. to be an interesting story. Um, yep. And it was fun for a while of people trying to figure out what do we call him? You know, that that guy, you know, with the symbol and then finally vaguely settled on the artist formerly known as Prince. It was it was crazy. It's a mouthful, but but fun and accurate. <laughs> yeah. Everyone knew who you were talking about when you said the artist formerly known as Prince. And like Larry King asked him about that. And he was like, I didn't come up with that. I didn't choose that. That was foisted upon me and larry king's like well how do you pronounce it and he's like well you know if you look at some religions you aren't supposed to ever pronounce the name of Uh, god because doing so uh pins down god i didn't want to be pinned down so i didn't want anyone to pronounce it now what what but that's hard when you're in the music business (laughs) next up the song from yeah And, he who shall not be named. And if I if I had a camera on my phone, the most fascinating thing I could have done as a civilian, do you remember even high-profile music chains struggled with what to print where you bought the records, the CD racks, the tape racks, and you'd see sometimes people would draw stuff. Sometimes mm-hmm. people would cut out something from a mat. There wasn't many cons- like consumer printers to print his name in the section of music. So there's all, it was always different everywhere you went. And, and who knew where to put it alphabetically? <laughs> uh, a for artist or before yeah. that, somewhere around the That's numerics. A good point. I mean, does he just jump to the top of the alphabet now? Yeah. Yeah. It, 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 it was so funny. I and I remember so many different variations of what some poor minimum wage music lover had to do to end up filing <laughs> Prince's uh, music in Sam Goody's. It was amazing. Yep. I, I love that they sent floppy disks to all the mu- major music publications. <gasps> what? With yeah. just that image so that they could copy and paste Did it. Did they in. really? Yeah. Okay. Because this is pre-internet. Yeah, so yeah, yeah. you need the symbol. So how are you going to get the symbol? Right. It's not going to appear on your uh, word processor and you can't like update totally. Microsoft's not on my Word web 2.0. <laughs> uh, so it's just like, here is a physical floppy disk. Wow. Put it in your computer. <laughs> download it and now you have the symbol i would love someone to stream everything on that floppy disk that's got to be interesting <laughs> it's probably just that you think I so think probably it's a floppy wow disk that has 
a symbol on it. If it is, it's all it could hold. Because if it, it should have some more press information, but yeah, I can no. see those. The, we didn't have we didn't have image compression at the time. It might have been difficult. That would be hilarious, especially if they didn't tell the press that was coming, and that all of a sudden they get a disc in the mail, mm-hmm. and it's a floppy disk with the symbol on it, and they're like, "Ooh, I wonder what that is." Oh my God, Princess, the artist formerly known as Princess, reaching out to me, and he's he's going to give me an exclusive. <laughs> you put it in the machine, and it's like, here you go, here you go. Here's here's one tiny emoji. Yeah, I got you a GIF, non animated, or whatever file format is in 1993. I wouldn't know. Um, I, Oh, yeah, we're pre-gifts, man. Yeah, pre yeah. pre any kind of image compression. Uh, yeah. well, let's move on to the movies of 1993 because Cliffhanger is still number one at the box office. This we, that's fair. It, it does seem bizarre that, yeah. that these are summer movie fair because a lot of this. How was this supposed to live up to the last week? Uh, <laughs> first up, uh, Nathan Lane, Cindy Lauper, Nathan Lane, and Cindy Lauper, Christina Vidal, and Michael J. Fox in his like weird early 90s parody because i watched like all these movies and they are for no one life with mikey life with yeah, mikey. i guess this is a kid's movie yeah. where he's a a former child star yes. and he's now an agent for child stars and then he's got this child star and she's kind of wackety schmackety mm-hmm. yeah i got it, nothing. it's a very light-hearted heartwarming film doesn't really do enough with its premise uh they i mean He's a child star, but what that means is he occasionally uses his catchphrase as an adult to get out of parking tickets. That's it. That's that's all you could really do with this concept. Uh, his catchphrase. Yeah, there's a lot by, you could do. Yeah, but they don't really do it. Uh, mm. It's sweet. You know, it's not yeah. a bad movie. If you're looking for something light and heartwarming, go see it. I did like... so. He takes care of this girl because her mom died and then her father had a mental breakdown and they don't have Michael J. Fox go, well, I guess I'll be your father from now on. It's like your dad's in a bad place. When he gets better, he'll go back to being your dad, but he, he's not there yet. So it, it handled that topic more maturely than most uh, Disney films would, I think. Can I point out something handled immaturely, but nobody new at the time and mm-hmm. I, I don't want to highlight David Spade here but Michael J. Fox big movie star and a lot of people had fun impressions of him and again not to, there's a Saturday Night Live sketch where three people do Michael J. Fox impressions of him at in an elevator David Spade's being the best <laughs> but part of it is like wiping his nose and moving his hair and moving his head a lot which in hindsight when I watch that and like is part of the impression his dealing with Parkinson's because it, it is a lot of physical movement when you people did Michael J. Fox impressions. And he I don't think he's revealed that yet. I know. I mean, he hadn't revealed that. I think this is well, right around the time where Simpson where his symptoms started. Yeah. Uh, I think he said he was on Doc Hollywood, which was like last year. Yeah, I still I haven't are, watched there's a new documentary about him I was gonna watch. Yeah, I can't wait to see that. We really don't get much of Michael J. Fox films. I mean, this is a flat out Michael J. Fox film, yep. and that type of movie is going to be ending for him right really soon i for some reason i because i watched back to the future like three times a year but all three of them and then i went like what are these other michael j fox movies forgotten to time he is a fun movie star no, uh, and, and they don't none of See, them have resonated with anybody really 
uh, Secret of My Success very is good. always going to be a classic. Very, very me, good. But... That was one of the first ones I watched, which like, I don't want to watch more Michael J. Fox stuff. Uh, but this is... This is... Um, hmm. I, I will say that this film has one of the most cliched scenes that I've ever seen. You know, you've got those old things where someone is being real mean to the boss and mm-hmm. the boss goes, I like you. You got spunk. Maxie. <laughs> and... <laughs> That happens in this film, and I keep waiting for some subversion of it because it's just so ridiculous. The little girl is being such an ass, and the <laughs> big, huge, important owner of the entire company is just taking it. And then he says, well, I like your spunk. You're going to be the face of my entire brand because you insulted me. Yeah, you spit in my like, mouth. Thank you. That, that's not a human being. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe if you're looking for her to like host a Nickelodeon prank show, that's about the only time that can work. But I don't know mm. otherwise uh, win an unprofessional yeah. situation like that'll get you promoted. When, when they auditioned kids to play Damien, the winner ran up and kicked the director in the balls. Yeah. <laughs> so the omen is the only other time that happened. Hell yeah. Uh, wow. Speaking of great casts. Holy shit. Oh, um, yeah. Introducing Kate Beckinsale. Is it? Re- yeah, I guess it would be. It um, is. Kate Beckinsale, uh, Robert Sean Leonard, Keanu Reeves, Denzel Washington, Michael Keaton, Emma Thompson, and Kenneth Branagh. It is much ado about nothing. Three-time Oscar nominee sorry, sorry, sorry. Kenneth Branagh's you hear direction that? is glorious. From the director of Henry V. Comes an extraordinary motion picture of desire and deception. I am a plain dealing villain. Three-time Oscar nominee Kenneth Branagh's direction is glorious, rich, and memorable. The world television premiere of Much Ado About Nothing. <laughs> it's a Disney Channel promo. Weird. It's a Disney Channel. All right, so I got to step in here. Please. We're doing a little bit of date fudging here because we have two, two, two versions of Much Ado About Nothing. Much too about nothing mm-hmm. to talk about within a couple weeks of each other. Yeah. And so we decided, you know what? These have they're very small releases. The dates are very nebulous. Let's put them together. Let's just save everyone some trouble so we can co- we can contrast and compare two versions about l- almost exactly the same script. Yes. They, neither of these had I think we're fair on that. Neither of these had a giant nationwide re- release where it's all opening <laughs> this one day, right. okay? No, nah, no. Nah, it, nah. It's this one's much bigger actually. Oh yeah. Oh, by yeah. far. Yeah, by far. And there's a reason because this one's better. Oh my god, I love this fucking movie. Mm. And I'm not just, yeah, I'm a big old nerd and I like Shakespeare, whatever. This is just really fun and like lush and lusty and they're running around the countryside trying to make out with each other over and over. I mean, I can't complain about that. I'm sorry, you want me to spend two hours in the lush Italian countryside with Denzel Washington giving <laughs> fuck me eyes to the camera? Yes, please! And uh, I'm I'm the English major who studies Shakespeare. My sister is the theater nerd. And my dad is neither. And in the last 10 years, this has become a staple in our households around the holidays. This always comes on. It's on a standard definition DVD. It's always next to the DVD player, even though many DVDs have been filed away. This is a <laughs> Antista family classic. Much ado about nothing. So I don't think it's controversial to call this the best film adaptation of Much Ado About Nothing. Oh, okay. Yeah, I thought you were going to go I'm, Shakespeare in general, but... <laughs> I, I'm going to go up there and say I think this is one of... should be in a top 10 list of Shakespeare films. 
yeah, I, I, I do too. The comedies don't get adapted as much mm-hmm. and no. fewer of them are like really good. Like it's, Midsummer Night's Dream is probably the one that's the only rival to this for Shakespeare comedy adaptations because that's been done a couple of times and, and they've been all pretty good. I, I will say I had a bigger appreciation after I read them and studied them because clearly Kenneth Branagh had two because I'd saw this before I ever uh, studied Shakespeare. I may have read something in like middle school, uh, but my appreciation grew after I read it and studied it. And especially with Hamlet, like I can't tell if that's a good movie, but if you like Kenneth Branagh really likes this stuff and he wants to put <laughs> as much as possible. I think Shakespeare is just generally speaking, and I acknowledge this as personal preference, so much better watched than read. Mm. Okay. Yes. Shakespeare was not designed to be read. He Mm. was not. He didn't write these things with the expectations that people are going to read these. He wrote these with the expectations that people will watch these. And I think that's very true on this film as well. When, I, I, okay, how long does it take both of you to get into like a Shakespeare mindset? If you sit down to watch a play or whatever, you, how long does it take your mind to kind of go like click? Right, because I am I not mean, I am not smart, and eventually, like the uh, the audio clicks with me and I can understand it. But it does take a second, um, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. usually like at least ten or fifteen minutes. I was going to say fifteen for me. Yeah. My first fifteen minutes of watching Shakespeare, pretty much any Shakespeare, doesn't matter. First fifteen minutes are going to be work. That's going to be me really like going, okay, brain, kick into gear. And then there comes a point where it's like, okay, now I'm in it. And it happened uh, a lot quicker in this one than the next version, despite the fact that I watched them back to back. I watched this version. And then immediately turned on the next version, and this blew it out of the water. This is just so far superior. Uh, The plot is more understandable in this film, despite the fact that I'd already seen the plot for the next film. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah, I think, I mean, some of it is Brana style. He is a very, he's obviously, he's he's a Shakespeare guy. He's made, what, four or five Mm. five, five adaptations? Um, I mean, this is the best of the comedies. Is uh, was it Love's Labor's Lost and uh, all the other one? Yeah, they're like not as good, but he understands how to play it, and that like you can't just say the lines; you, like you have to emote the lines. And so everyone in this like plays a lot bigger than in the other version. Yes. We're going to talk about in the other version. People are just very naturalistic; like we're pretending this is how people talk. And in this one, he's like it's theatrical, and so. Where they're emphasizing things, you kind of understand. Oh, okay. You almost don't have to speak English. And and, and to JR's point, which is, again, I'm just having these revelations semi-recently. It's why actors like it so much. Because sometimes it's like a different language, but you can convey all those things in your performance if you give a shit. And it's why actors Mm -hmm. really, really like doing these roles. Because it's if they were silent, they could probably still get these points across. And yet, some actors do a lot better than others. Oh, you're just gonna, Ooh, you're gonna, you're gonna shit on Jack Lemmon? We're gonna bring this up <laughs> because we can't avoid it. We cannot yeah. avoid it. It is the sore thumb of this movie. Like we all love Keanu Reeves now. Mm-hmm. He seems like a really cool guy. He makes really interesting choices. I contend somewhere around the last Matrix movie or the third Matrix movie, he actually learned to act a little bit, mm-hmm. and he's been a lot yeah. better in the last twenty years. He is really bad in this. Uh, it is not an really insult bad. 
to say that someone became more talented over time. Right. Okay. We can all agree yeah, up on that. Kiana is a good actor today. I will absolutely go to bat for him and right. his, his recent films. I can't recall a bad performance in the last decade. This is a bad performance Ooh, without. I, but uh, here, here's, any... here's how we can turn it around. What I really think speaks well of Keanu. It's not like Coppola and Brana didn't know about his limitations, but I bet mm -hmm. he's such a nice guy and he was <laughs> interested enough to do anything that they put him in the movie anyway. And I, what I love most about Keanu is that he very almost semi-recently his career last 10, 15 years leaned into what he likes rather than he, what he thinks gets him respect and doesn't really do shit like this anymore. And mm. uh, John Wick. I'd like to see it though. I would sure. love to see an elderly Keanu Reeves tackle King Lear. You know, Ooh. let me see that. That would be interesting. Holy shit. I'd be down for that. Cause it, it did remind yeah. me like, I didn't see Denzel's Macbeth. Um, I still haven't seen that. Oh, then. it's it's okay. very good. But yeah, another one of Brana's things though is like, don't do a fake British accent when mm. you're doing this. Just speak your normal accent. And sometimes that works. Like Robert Sean Leonard is a little bit uneven, but he does okay. And Keanu, oh, <laughs> it's just it's rough to watch. But then Michael Keaton, he's a lot of fun. He's Indeed. weird, but he's fun. And Denzel kills in this movie. I mean. Oh. It takes a lot for me to not be paying attention to Emma Thompson, who is fantastic, like pop, like the best she's ever been. She's so great in this movie. Are they married? But Denzel. Now? Were they? Were they? Uh... they Brana and Thompson were married. Okay. Then, yeah. Um, I think that ends next year. But mm. it's like Denzel is walking around in these leather pants and making sexy eyes at everyone Calm and being like, there. "I'm gonna get the hookup. Don't worry, I got your girl." I'm like, God, I wish he did more Shakespeare than just. Yeah, the Macbeth a couple of years ago. Yeah. Oh, he's so good at it. Oh I, my god. I think we're all kind of agreed. This is a very not unexpected, but like uncharacteristic recommend from all of us this week. Yeah. Well, uh, I think yeah, it's because yeah. it's it's Shakespeare, but it is so not stuffy. Mm -hmm. Like I said, it's very yeah. lusty. There's a lot of heaving bosoms and <laughs> you know funny snappy dialogue and yeah. Shit. <laughs> Shakespeare loved to set things in the Italian countryside where everyone was thirsty. He loved it there where it was just like a far off romantic place where everyone can wear white and just lust after oh, each other at all times. Perfect weather for horniness. I just, yeah, can, can confirm. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I feel like uh, if you've but, never watched a Shakespeare adaptation or are scared of them or think they're going to be super boring, like this is a pretty good place to start. Like yeah. it's a rom-com. So the so, one thing I do no. want to throw out there in Elizabethan times, nothing was sometimes a slang for female genitalia. Holy so God. you could translate the title as much ado about Poontang. Oh, interesting. <laughs> and it, only because I just looked up the origin, like, why do they call it the P word? And it really was an affectionate term for all women, like hundreds of years ago, that ended up meaning vagina. <laughs> Sorry, never mind. Uh, yeah. Okay. Uh, nothing? Yeah. Who would call that nothing? nothing? Never mind. Well, because there's actually like a whole back and forth in Hamlet about that, where it's like, it, Hamlet says to Ophelia, like, uh, I'm going to lie here in your lap. Um what do you what what is this in your lap and she says nothing and he says that's a fair thing to find between a maiden's legs because it's no thing she doesn't have a thing uh, she has nothing 
So it's the opposite of a dick. Yeah, you could also say it's much to do about. First of all, it's just a great title. Yeah, it's you know yeah. they're telling you the end. Yeah, the end. Is, don't worry about it. Uh, don't worry. I'll get married. Everyone's, it's all happy. Everyone's gonna get worked up, but it's gonna work out. Or you can say it's much to do about nothing, and that so much of it hinges on whether or not a woman is a virgin when she gets married. And you could argue, I don't think that this is intentional, but the idea that that ain't no thing. You get worked up for no reason. Yeah. Yeah, she'd be fucking. Who cares? Yeah. Get a pro. Uh, uh, <laughs> different uh, romantic <laughs> environment in the 16th century. Completely different, different time. Very true. Yeah. Very and true. that's some bullshit. I mean, okay, look, if you find out your girl is fucking some other guy the day before your wedding, that's fucked up. But the idea that they were fucking, she, she's fucked somebody in the past. Dude, calm down. Mm. You guys have known each other for five minutes. You haven't even dated. Denzel just went and asked, like, hey, you like that guy? He, he, he likes you. <laughs> calm down, people. I know, but it's a comedy, so everyone gets married at the end. Uh, and it's it's streaming free on Tubi and uh, Pluto TV. I thankfully had just watched it a little over a year ago with Ken- Kevin McDonald in the Michael Keaton part. Lovely. That Lovely. sounds uh, like a lot of fun. He- you know what I, I'm in the mood for now? Hmm. Mm-hmm. Binge all of Branna's Shakespeare movies. You know, this is neither here nor there, but I was at a wedding with some girls, some 20 something girls who were excited about the Little Mermaid remake. And, you know, I'm like, man, I just, I love the animated versions. And, and they're like, yeah, there really has been only good, one good one. I'm like, which, which one was good? And, and they, like, simultaneously, Cinderella. Which is also Kenneth Branagh tackling the material Thor's oh. Kenneth Branagh, hmm. and that happened before like it was an annual thing. It was just kind of out of nowhere, a one-time thing. And they, yeah, a bunch of twenty-year-old girls. The live-action Cinderella is this shit um, because hmm. look who's telling hmm. it. Somebody who like kind of likes that motif, and yeah, that's why they chose him for Thor. I'm not kidding. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, yeah, they want to have big Shakespearean yeah. feel. Yeah, um, I'm trying to remember is. Hmm. Not measure for measure. There's there's two other comedies he filmed which are okay. Do not hold up as well. Henry V and and the Four Hour Hamlet both kick ass though. Mm. But that's just me. I'm weird that way. I saw the Four Hour Hamlet in theaters twice. Woo! <laughs> yeah, I, I wow. Have oh, I thought you were gonna. Shoot. <laughs> uh, only Hamlet with Jack Lemmon in it. Recommended. Um, and... That's true. Yeah. Much ado about nothing. The '93 version. We're not talking. Done talking about this play. We will talk about a 1993 version of Hamlet in two weeks. That's so weird. Because uh, I really, for some reason, thought this was 94. I don't know. I, I checked the theatrical release dates. That's probably impossible, unless it was like held over in budget theaters because people kept going to see it, which is kind of possible. Um, yeah. and, uh, and next up, we have Stephen Lang, Jack Warden, Rebecca DeWarnay, and John- Don Johnson in, in Guilty as Sin. From Hollywood pictures, he was charming. Hasn't anyone ever said no to you before? My wife said no, just before I threw her out the window. He was wealthy. <gasps> You're going to prove me innocent, and then there will be millions. He was a real <laughs> lady killer. <laughs> this boy loves to take chances. We watch your step. Rebecca De Mornay. When did you decide to murder your wife? Don Johnson. When I saw you, Jennifer. Guilty as sin. Rated R. Mmm, guilty as sin. 
Um, Sydney LeMay oh, film. Lord. Yeah, they make it look like it's an erotic thriller, but it isn't. It's a legal thriller brought to you, directed by Sidney Lumet, one of the greatest filmmakers ever, Dog Day Afternoon Network, 12 Angry Men, <laughs> written by Larry Cohen. Wow. Who wrote <laughs> It's Alive and the Stuff. Yeah. <laughs> I can't imagine those guys in the same room. Okay. <laughs> it's kind of just Jagged Edge again, guys. Mm. Sorry. It kind of is. I mean, she's just... he's a lawyer and he's he's up to he's sneaky and slimy and up to no good, but he's so seductive and handsome. But you know, I give Don Johnson credit for starting pivoting into yeah. into the sexy bad guy role. Uh, and and it's you know fun to highlight in 30 2010 because this is just a movie you couldn't fathom getting a theatrical release during the summer 30 years <laughs> on, but like these little pot but were ultra dependable and crazy cheap. And yep. yeah, uh, I tried to watch it and I just bowed out after 15 minutes. I was just like, I was never really a fan of erotic thrillers, and this is not a not good erotic one enough. That no yeah. one remembers, so mm -hmm. no, nope. yeah, and that's a nope. silly title. And and part of that is because of what happened last week, which is, yeah, which okay, I should mention again, we are fudging dates ever so slightly. This is the week the movie premieres. Mm -hmm which is three weeks before it comes out because it premieres and then it gets the fuck out of the way for the big movie that's of the summer mm -hmm. and then comes right back in after it's like, you all saw that? Y'all saw the big movie? Okay, here, here we are. But we've moved it to the premiere date so we can talk about it just after Tina Turner's passing. Right. It's, it, it felt it was, weird to wait three weeks. Even though you, you, you know, did make a George Maharis reference, I think like while he was dying. Oh, <laughs> like, he killed him. I'm so sorry. He was not dead when we recorded <laughs> that, but he was after nope. it went up. Uh, and yeah, I, I just, I, I'm glad this is here because like this is a woman who is extremely fun to watch and I feel like kind of, especially maybe because of this movie, kind of like, took a step back from the spotlight a little bit, but was a household name uh, at this point and continued to be because of this movie, which did get the attention it deserved by holding it off, by the way. Because yeah. I remember hearing a lot about it afterward, especially the performances such as Lawrence Fishburne and someone who stu stood out in the last couple of movies we've talked about and highly recommended, but is a fucking star. Angela Bassett becomes, in my world, a household name with What's Love Got to Do With It? She wanted love. I'm trying to help, Ike. He wanted control. You trying to help, Ike? She had taken them to the top. He pushed her to the edge. Take your hands off of me. That's when she found the courage to fight back. You're going to walk out of here with nothing. Except my name. Touchstone Pictures presents a story of courage and triumph. The true life story of Tina Turner. What's love got to do with it? Rated R. Starts Friday, June 11th in select cities. Check newspaper for showtimes. Was that... Uh... Was that a new song for the movie? Because I remember that getting radio play around the time. Mm -hmm. Yep, yeah. exactly. So, didn't really huh. catch on. Yeah, it did okay. But yeah. all right, so music biopics Woo! are their own genre, mm -hmm. and it's tough because Walk Hard is one of my favorite movies, mm -hmm. and <laughs> I had my radar out for the music biopic cliches and there's a couple in this because they they don't do a cradle to grave story they do young, I mean, they, pre pretty they much pretty much teenage with her as a as, young girl in a black church getting kicked out for being 
too demonstrative for a black <laughs> church choir. Uh. I know I wanted to hit like first of all, that was like its own fun little like short movie about like the little kid who gets so moved in the spirit they have to just freestyle and the choir director just being like, no. But it's like, but that's what you're supposed to do. If God tells you you gotta sing out, then you sing out, god damn it. I, anyway, I, I wouldn't I wouldn't but, fault yeah, this movie for cliche because in my opinion, this I mean, I know we've had stuff like Chaplin and, and Malcolm X, but this sort of kind of roots the template of the music biopic, like comes from the popularity of this movie. A bit, a bit. So, yeah, we have a brief scene where she's a little kid. Mostly it's her as a teenager, which are a cliche number one that Walk Hard made fun of having the full ass adult play the teenage version. <laughs> Except that Angela Bassett does an amazing job. Like, she's physically acts different as a teenager than she does later on in the movie. Like, mm-hmm. she, she fucking does it, man. Uh, but then, you know, discovering the love of music, meeting up with Ike, you know, the hard times on the road, and then the big success, and then the beaten start. It's halfway through the movie before the violence starts. And I saw some critics think that was kind of abrupt. Like, where did that come from? And it's like, because we skipped a bunch of it because she's like, don't hit me again. Hmm. Like, Oh, we've only been seeing what like we're quote unquote allowed to see by the movie. Right. And, and Ike Turner, he, he denied everything to literally to the grave. Well, well, no, he he said they were exaggerating, (laughs) Mm -hmm. but he didn't say, no, I never touched her. I I think because it was good. Irrefutable. Cause like everybody saw it like four years. And, yeah, there were and, plenty of people who witnessed him beating on her. But yeah, I mean, basically his argument was either it was mutual combat or, you know, she had it coming. Mm-hmm. And Which is great. That's a great defense, Ike. Good job. <laughs> Way to go. Diana, can you share with our listeners one of the best newspaper headlines oh. of all time? Right. Mm. So I, I work in newspapers and I have been writing headlines for... 14 years now and so i collect my favorite headlines and when ike turner died new york post which is trash but god bless them their headline was ike turner beats tina to death (laughs) and i love it so much it's it's so much it's well structured it implies (laughs) on first glance that tina turner is dead which people the audience would care more about yeah, and right under it is a subhead explaining like rock and roll pioneer dies at 74. So you have just a moment of shock and then you go, oh. And I, I think <laughs> and, and as, as a lesson to young male musicians out there, Ike Turner had a pretty decent musical legacy up until these revelations. And now it's yeah. like all he's remembered he, for being monstrous. He's big. Yeah. If you're writing the history of rock and roll, mm-hmm. his name should be in that book. You know, he wrote the song that people like to point to as being the first rock and roll song. Yeah, it's Period. it's it's a crazy, crazy, crazy legacy with even more crazy stories without Tina Turner. But yeah, the, the, this behavior and his drug addiction, which eventually killed him, uh, so, overshadowed everything. Yeah. Now, as a film, mm-hmm. I, I don't think you can separate this movie from it being one of the first to deal with a real-life celebrity's domestic abuse situation. Can either of you think of a major motion picture where it's like, here's the huge star? That's a Diana question, yeah. Okay, yeah. Mommy Dearest. Mommy Dearest, um, yeah. 
And then that just it was immediately taken for camp because it was so overblown. Which isn't funny because she was really abusing them kids, according to two of them kids. But I think so, I think and yeah. this yeah. could be uh, maybe I'm remembering incorrectly, but you know Ike Turner wasn't me too, and he kind of talked mad shit about Tina Turner for a, a I think long enough to where she's like fuck you, uh, yeah. and, and 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 wanted to say something back, and yeah they yeah tumultuous relationship as depicted in the movie. Yeah, well, what's interesting about the movie is if you read up on the different incidents they're depicting, they're usually not exact. They're not true. He didn't actually, you know, at this one particular diner on this one particular day, didn't smash a cake in her face. Mm -hmm. You know, at this one particular time where they were recording this one particular song, he didn't X, Y, and Z. That doesn't make it inaccurate. It makes it yeah. not a documentary. Right. Because there yeah, is a yeah. Tina Turner documentary that came out pretty recently, a couple of years yes. ago on HBO, and it rewatched a big chunk of that and it's like yeah you're not talking about specific incidences you're talking about things these are things that happened maybe not in this order maybe not in this place but these are things that happened right and people love specific incidences because it can give us like okay it happened exactly like this but the way the human memory works is you remember unique things. Mm -hmm. You remember things that are out of the ordinary. If something happens again and again and again, usually no one of those things really sticks with you. It's just like, yeah. uh, how how many meals uh, of breakfast can you remember? I don't know. I have a lot of them. They don't really yeah. stick. Yeah. So if you get beat up often enough, the individual beatings don't really stick out as one individual event. They just blur yeah. all together. So the making of this, I found fascinating. They basically immediately were like, Lawrence Fishburne is the guy to play. Like, there's no other person who could do this. And he turned it down five times. Yeah. He said, why <laughs> would I want to play a monster? And they went back and they refined, they gave him another couple scenes where we start to understand his psychological damage in that he, both, both Ike and Tina, we see are afraid about people leaving them because people have left them plenty in the past. And that suddenly kind of psychologically makes everything click of like, oh, that's why she's staying. That's why he's so aggressive. Right. He's channeling a kind of rage into his fist when he should be putting it somewhere useful. And that's why I, I didn't think about it until you phrased it that way, JR. Um, it, it is one of the first pop culture stories of like Keith Richards sexually and physically assaulting Mick Jagger. It's a bizarre thing background to have a bizarre tapestry to have for maybe some of your favorite musical moments and what i thought was i i, I didn't get to rewatch this but i'd seen it a couple times but a long time ago and it did stick with me because it was one of the first of these this is according to rotten tomatoes the highest rated musical biopic ever number one and oh. it's behind uh just behind uh, just in front of pianist and uh and oddly enough Above, uh, beyond the candelabra, behind the candelabra, hey. which we talked about last week. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. I think, I mean, story-wise, it, it, it doesn't avoid as many cliches as I was hoping because we're trying to fit someone's life into a narrative yep. and that's part of the problem. But the thing that ends up elevating this is those two performances mm -hmm. are so incredible. It's just mind-blowing. Like, I remembered, oh yeah, they're really good in it. And then I rewatched it. And I'm like holy shit they both have so much there's so much that could go wrong yeah 
and we'll just you know angela bassett's tina turner could end up being like a goofy drag performance and instead no she's like she gets the little ticks but she also feels like a real person and, and i was it's thinking ridiculous. that Lawrence fishburne this is a vague boys in the hood reunion and mm-hmm. and i remember watching boys in the hood for the first time and like dude furious is so intense when is he gonna snap and do something crazy and violent and never does and other than like karate battles in the matrix Lawrence fishburne doesn't really do that it, it, he his intensity doesn't manifest itself in physical violence except here and I, it, it does single it out in my mind so one thing i wish this movie would have tackled a little more mm-hmm. was how brave tina turner was yeah. in the divorce because she's mm-hmm. like you take all the assets the only thing i need is my name i've worked too now, hard for that <laughs> how many rock stars become a bigger star yeah. in their 40s than they were in their 20s and 30s yeah. because that's what tina turner was she like was such a huge force for the 80s and it's uh i that's where all my memories of her come right. from you know that's yeah, that's my beyond beyond, beyond thunderdome is where i become aware of yeah. tina turner mm-hmm. yeah yeah exactly and it's a lot of it's sheer force of will and a lot of working hard and a lot of like clever career decisions to get out of sort of cabaret style hacks that she was doing, which we see with, you know, goofy backup dancers and stuff. And just being like, no, I, I am rock and roll. I am the queen of rock and roll, right. specifically the queen of rock and roll period. And yeah, that she was just massive in the, in the early mid eighties. And she turned Ike Turner yeah. into Chris Sarandon. Uh, <laughs> exactly. You're famous. wearing my name now, yeah. bitch. Yeah, it's it, it is kind of just mind-boggling that that, that this all worked yeah. out. Yeah. Somehow this fucking and worked out. I I would like to say that the real Tina got a happy ending, as as she states in this clip. Is a black singer, R and B singer. I'm happier than I ever thought that life would become for me. So that means that most of my hardships came while I was young and growing up. And in the last days when normally people suffer from old age and sickness, my happiness came. I am, I'm really thoroughly happy. It's it's kind of an awesome story after a movie like this that like, yeah, my youth was fraught with turmoil. And then given the phase of the career JR was just talking about, she kind of, you know, Will, willfully recedes from wanting to be a pop star, finds the love of her life, lives out the next three decades in France, being happy, happy as a clam. And, yep. and that 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 defines her life she, for her. She keeps being huge pretty much everywhere outside of the U.S. Mm. Outside the U.S., she's very mm. well known. Everywhere else, she's playing 100,000 mm-hmm. people in a stadium <laughs> in Brazil. Yeah, that's wow. crazy. So I was happy. I I saw her live on what was supposed really? to be her farewell tour. It was actually her next to last farewell tour. When was but that? I saw her in two thousand. Okay. Wow. Her last tour. She actually went back out on tour in two thousand eight, but I saw her in two thousand, and it was so good. I mean, it's one of those things. It's sad when someone passes, but then Twitter is great for a day or two because it's just all clips. Yeah. And she was just an incredible live performer. Like, and, yeah. and they catch that in the movie that like she's not just dancing; she's doing like aerobics routines. Uh-huh. They look exhausting, and she's singing at the same time. So yeah, I saw her in two thousand. It was like a greatest hit show. She did every song I could have possibly asked for. 
It was so good. And she's she's got that great voice, but I mean, for me, you know, I lean always lean more toward rock and roll than R and B, and it's like that voice and songs like that. It's really fun. And so as a kid, I enjoyed it on the. And again, we it's odd to have someone like this die the week we're talking about it. So you know, obviously, we have more than we would have had to say a week ago. But yeah. she's one of the few people I saw that did like. Just a few years ago, like she didn't go on tour. She just did like an a round of interviews for the first time in like a decade. And like, this is it. This is the last time I'm talking. So ask your questions. Yeah. Uh, I appreciate well, everything you've done for me. And I'm going to go over here and recede a little yep. bit. Just live in Switzerland. Just mm-hmm. enjoying Wednesday. Yeah, she was she was battling kidney problems for a, a long time. And then um, her current husband gave her a kidney because he's a good guy. Yeah. And and she got uh you know another 8 9 years out of that from having that's yeah, so we got to keep her around for a while. Uh Movie ends yeah, up getting Bassett so and cool. Fishburne an Oscar nomination. Um Goddamn right. Makes yep. a, a ton of money is like is in the zeitgeist for at least 10 years and my I hate saying it cuz I know there's this sketch could be I, inappropriate. I know where you're it should going. be. I know it's you're so going funny. SNL. It's I knew so it. <laughs> Ike Turner became a weekend update correspondent uh, and would abuse Kevin Nealon to the point where he made him dance on the dress in a short skirt. It is making, <laughs> making, and he did it numerous times. It, it makes light. I know it makes light of it, but if you had to, this is so silly. Uh, and turning Kevin Nealon into Tina Turner is still on paper one of the funniest things you can think of. Come back to me, Kevin Nealon. Come back. Don't, don't do this to me, Kevin Nealon. I worked too hard. <laughs> Ike, stop it. You're being too rough. Uh, yeah. <laughs> uh, uh, yeah, this uh, God damn. I, yeah, I can't underline enough that, yeah, what's got, what's love got to do with it? Movie's fine. Those performances are epic. And just them alone make it worth watching as a movie. If it, even if it weren't full of great music and uh, an interesting story and mm-hmm. inspiring. Yeah. Yeah. What's love got? Fuck to do yeah, with Tina Turner. Um, it is not streaming for free anywhere, as far as I can tell. But you know, get it for a song. Woo! R.I.P. Tina Turner for real. Um, and then uh, moving into television in 1993, June second through the eighth. Ah, how are they going to write their way to this one? <laughs> Larry Sanders show uh, has the season two premiere. Just a wonderful, wonderful, great show. Um, and a great. Did he quit in the first season? No. Uh, he doesn't quit at the I think it's the second season, season where he like goes in I a think cat. that's the second season. This one, it's opening uh, with him uh, dating his secretary. Mm-hmm. And there's just a hilarious clip. Uh, we should talk about this. Uh, why don't we just write it down? Yeah, that's a good idea. Oh. I don't know what words to use. Um, how about, this was probably a mistake. Yeah, that's okay. good. And, um... It will never, never happen again. Good. And yeah, we should, it, we, I should never have a Xanax and wine Oh, gosh, together. me neither. No. Okay. <laughs> that's a guy, yeah. Sending his secretary write right. the breakup note to herself. I mean, he's <laughs> such an ass, and he's such a perfect ass. Uh, this is the yeah. he's uh in the midst of getting a divorce, so he's going through all these women, and then you think that's going to be the episode, but then he has a heart attack, right? And then uh, the next one is all about him uh recovering from his heart attack, and that's uh, yeah, the big change in the season. They decided to make Larry single again, which 
come on, he gets to sleep with all these celebrities. It's fun. It, it flirt with these celebrities. It's fun. Uh, and and because I didn't get to see, I saw this in order, and I guess I jumped on at the end of the second or third season. I also thought it was interesting. Um, what's her name? Penny Johnson. Uh, mm-hmm. Beverly, his secretary, she references this throughout the series, like either talking to someone Larry's dating or reminding him of that, not as blackmail. And I just thought it was like, I I had no idea there was an episode where it happened. It was very exciting to get the DVDs <laughs> and see that, oh, they, they did depict this, but it, it never, it, it never leaves us. It's not, uh, what do you call it? Forgotten in the story. It's always kept around. Hey, we did yeah. this that one time. We might do it again. They may have done it more than once. Uh, again, another vague memory of watching things as they air. The Torkelsons ends on ABC or as Almost Home. It's confusing to me because I like this show. From the second I saw it, ABC shuffled it around, and I did find out, oh, the Disney Channel would air these two seasons until 1999. That is why I'm confused because I, I thought it lasted way longer, but it's only two seasons of the Torkelsons. But Disney Channel kids probably have a different perception. Uh People who watch daytime TV, is this daytime TV or was it just a, a no, nighttime no, this soap? This is a uh, attempt to make Miami Vice again. Yeah. Um, oh, dear. Yeah. Yeah. It's a TV show called South Beach, South Beach, set in South Beach, Florida. And there's a woman who's a thief and she gets captured by the government. And either she goes to jail or she uses her thieving skills to, uh, catch other thieves mm. you know going for a modesty blaze type thing and it has like one of the most 80s theme songs 1993 yeah. has to offer excuse me miami theme song Not a lyric in that free, can, glorious Stefan theme can, song. Can you imagine being like the professional singer? You show up at the audition or the recording session and they say, okay, here's your lyrics. Okay, so I need <gasps> to sing. Ah, oh, oh, ah, oh, ah. I can do this. I was born to do this. Oh, shit. Um, South Beach, I vaguely remember it. Was Josh Brolin on this? I can't remember. Um, and then now, even more in JR's wheelhouse, I don't remember if we teased this on my last week, but should be hitting Disney Plus by the time you hear this. Young Indiana Jones episode, The Phantom Train of Doom. You can finally watch this shit! Mm-hmm. Yeah, and if you're gonna just jump into Young Indiana Jones, start with this episode. Really? This might be one of the best, if not the best episodes to get people into young Indiana Jones. Huh. Uh, I think the best young Indiana Jones, unless you're a huge history geek like me, episodes are the ones with treasure hunting and where he's fighting World War One. Mm. And you get both in hey. this episode. He, he's hey. b- doing both at the same time. And he's fighting World War One in Africa. And hey. When we think World War One, we think of like a hundred miles of northern Europe. Yep. Okay, that's it. We think of the Western Front, and that's pretty much ninety-nine percent of people's image of World War One, except if they've seen Lawrence of Arabia. Mm-hmm. But World War One was a global war. There was lots of battles in Africa, 
and he's in some of them. And it's this completely different situation from the cramped, tight battles in Europe. It's like, well, uh, we had to haul these machine guns 300 miles through the jungle <laughs> to fight this war. So uh, it's it's fascinating and it's an interesting place. And uh, yep, big recommend from me. If you're going to watch a episode of Indiana Jones on Disney Plus, do this one. Do Phantom Train of Doom. Yeah. And- oh, this this has uh, this has a guy who played Belloc in it, but not playing mm-hmm. Belloc. Really? Yep. Playing Sean, a different treasure hunter. Sean Patrick Flannery playing life. Indy because yeah. he had a yeah. numerous, yeah, numerous different people played Indy during. Did River Phoenix come back and play him once? No, no, okay. I don't think so. no. But Harrison but Ford yeah, yeah. made a cameo or two. Yeah, they, this episode also features a fascinating German general called Paul von Lettau Vorbeck, and <laughs> that dude should be in more historical fiction. Mm. He was crazy. And I, I know I shouldn't be excited about this, but like uh, something about Disney's acquisition of Lucasfilm wasn't really fully integrated into Disney Plus until this week. And Young Indiana Jones was in like a prison of one hundred to seventy dollars. You could not see without spending that. So I'm just excited, especially since doing the show. Jr.'s you, you, most of the episodes pretty good. Yeah, I, yeah, if you're a history geek, yeah. Yeah. And you can accept that it's 1993. You're not going to get your prestige television. But for a 1993 show, it had like the most insane budget and production yeah. values you're going to get. And if we didn't say it, it, in every one of our towns, it aired at different times, never consistently, and was really hard to get to wrap yeah. your head around. This is how bad it is. I was the biggest young indie fan on the planet. Mm-hmm. This is makes the list for best episodes of the show. I did not see this oh. until the the uh, uh, like the streaming age. Mm. Okay, until it came out on DVD. You know that's Ridiculous. that's how bad their scheduling was. Huh. I wonder because I just looked it up. Dial of Destiny Paramount is not involved. So the first four indies were sitting on Paramount Plus, and I just wonder what happened. Where are they going now? Money. Someone wrote a check. That's what I imagine happened. Like there's. I don't think Disney can take back the distribution without buying the company, and who knows, they might. They did it with Fox. And lastly, this week on television, super confusingly, Broadway. Tonys. The Tonys are out. Are happening this week. Uh, hosted yes. by Liza Minnelli. <laughs> Yay! Hilarious. Uh, yeah, Angels in America. Millennium approaches just the first part. Like, cleans up absolutely everywhere, except for Best Musical, which is Kiss of the Spider Woman. That's, Yay! That's hilarious. I was watching... Uh, Secession with my dad, and he's like, "How do how do I know that guy playing the Republican presidential candidate?" And like, that's Prior Walter from Angels in America, baby. I haven't seen him in a lot of yeah. stuff other than Weeds. Nice to see him again. Uh, but yeah, anything else I we would be familiar with in here? Yeah. Kiss the Spider Woman, the Ralph Julia yeah. movie. Kiss the Spider Woman. Yeah, cleans up. That's about it. Yeah, I, mean, I don't know a lot of stuff. These. I I recognize the names of the musical adaptation of Goodbye Girl, Tommy revival of Who's Tommy, Sisters mm-hmm. Rosenzweig. Yeah, but the Tonys, no, ladies but... and gentlemen. So let's do a hard pivot to genre medium wise into video games. They're all the same fans, right? Battletoads and Ragnarok's World. <laughs> right after we mentioned Kiss of the Spider Woman, they're the same. Uh, the Battletoads <laughs> Game Boy game. Uh, yeah, I'm, it's as good a graphics as you're going to get on the Game Boy, mm-hmm. but I just don't feel like that's the 
best place for Battletoads? Well, you want to know the best place for a hot property, JR. Star Trek The Next Generation. Throw that on a Game Boy. Make everyone as small as possible with black and white graphics. <laughs> uh, this has the problem that Star Trek had in every video yep. game almost in the 20th century. Okay, turn your Star Trek games into battle games. Yep. And that's all this is. You fly around oh. and you shoot as many ships as possible. That's not Star Trek. Yeah. What yeah. is the episode where, where Picard is going, let's kill as many of these easily destroyable uh, ships as possible. And he just blasts tons of them. You know, that's not like a, Picard a single would do. episode. <laughs> just destroy a bunch of drones. Picard loves doing it. That's, it's a, Star Trek has a, fa a history so fascinating in video games. The company that bought the rights sued because they can't make a talky <laughs> Senate scene filled Star Trek game to please gamers. And they can't make a Star Trek let's talk and learn about these solar systems in a way that uh, pleases Star Trek fans. And uh, up until now, which I don't know if you heard, JR, there's like a Telltale style Star Trek game that just came out. Like a, I hadn't heard that, yeah, but I'd be interested. Yeah, in talk, just hanging out on the bridge and uh, getting information. People will remember that. Um, yeah, that's more like Star Trek. Exactly. That sounds perfect. And uh, speaking of perfect, the perfect game came out 30 years ago in arcades. Cadillacs and Dinosaurs, a great, <laughs> just an unbelievable, like, I think a lot of stuff looks like this now, but whatever, what is it, Xenozoic Tales? They licensed the Cadillac name and threw real Cadillacs in with this bizarre comic book, and Capcom made two games out of it, this one being the best because it's a traditional Final Fight-style game with Cadillacs and dinosaurs! <laughs> Who's going to complain? Oh. It's legitimately gory. I mean, yeah. these are some awesome sprite graphics, by the way, and the dinos chomp on people, and she just, like, Jesus, Man. but I wonder what might be coming out next week mm. that could cause this this uh, video game to get greenlit so fast. Isn't that weird to think about? Like, we're dying to adapt any dinosaur property you have. Why are there not enough? I don't know. <laughs> I thought we were talking oh. about the Robin Williams film Cadillac Man. But oh, okay, very good, fine. very good. <laughs> and uh, two big adventure games to. Uh, uh, oh man, I think the first one I ever played, Leisure Suit Larry Six, Shape Up or Slip Out, ha ha ha, the yeah. trials and travails of Larry Laffer trying to get laid, uh, maybe it was the fifth one I played, I don't remember, it was six floppy disks, and... Yeah, so Larry 1 through 5 actually had a continuing story, I'm not kidding, right. like, right. it continued from story to story, and it was like, this is where we left off last time, this is pretty much a reboot, Mm. They just go, look, you want to get Larry laid, right? That's that's why you're here. Just we're not going to continue where we left off in passionate Patty and the pulsating pectorals. OK, <laughs> whatever, whatever your memories of that game are, just put them in a box. We're doing our own thing here. And it's uh, Larry at a, uh, a very, very 80s resort. Like it's 1993, but they are putting out the neon everywhere, <laughs> and it's a bit of a fetch quest. You have to go. Uh, every girl needs something, and once you get the thing that girl needs, she will have sex with you. Only the sex will be interrupted in a comedic fashion because mm -hmm. it's a laser. Larry, yes, and that's the only reason we were playing it. Um... And, and then, but yeah, it's this. I would call this the second to last real laser yeah. suit Larry game. Everything because else is a reboot after, after this too. 
Yeah, or shovelware crap. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the, this is the second to last of what is actually laser suit Larry. And then a lot, a lot more fun to talk about in the adventure game space. Day of the Tentacle hits Ooh, uh, PC. I have heard of this one. Yeah. I mean, I've heard of Leisure Suit Larry. Not, not every single version of it, though. Uh, well, <laughs> I've mean, heard of Day of the Tentacle. I know this is much loved. In terms of, I, I've never really enjoyed adventure games just because I, 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 I came around after they were kind of already done, and this is the most enjoyable. And well, it's playing up. a Looney Tune game, yep. Chris. I mean, <laughs> that's uh, I was huge into adventure games at this time. I was the biggest uh, LucasArts fan in the world. I subscribed to the adventure. I was like breathlessly waiting the next Monkey Island, and then I'm flipping through the issue, and it says, we're actually making a sequel to uh, Maniac Mansion. Mm-hmm. And they hyped the crap out of this because this is a tremendous change. The graphics are way ridiculously better than any adventure game that became before it. And this is like one of the very, very first talky adventure games. Mm-hmm. They got uh, the guy from WKRP on Cincinnati to play Bernard. Oh. And they were like shouting that to the world because they were so proud that an actual movie star, TV star, <laughs> whatever, was going to be voicing their video game. And the puzzles are amazing. To give you an idea of how much bigger this is than the original Maniac Mansion, the original Maniac Mansion is put in as an Easter egg in this game. <laughs> if, if you find an old computer, you can load it up and start playing the original Maniac Mansion oh. in the sequel. And that's just like a throwaway thing. It's just like not a big deal. And they don't uh, spend nearly as much time as that as they do on the incredible graphics because it is just miles better than anything that had come. Before. Unlike Leisure Suit Larry, very nineties and stylized. And I-, I love that about it. Roots it in a time and place and feels real good to play. And one of the better things, the good things about the Lucasfilm Disney acquisition is they like immediately like, yeah, we're going to re- remaster and re-release all these. Cause th- this wasn't available for like 15 years. Like you just couldn't get it. And now it's widely available in the most optimized package you can get. Yeah, I'm going to plug the Double Fine remaster because there's literally no reason not to play the remaster. It's the exact same game except better. And that's something that's always intrigued me about video games is Mm -hmm. that you redo a film, it's almost never as good as the original. But if you redo video games, you can absolutely improve that and have that be the definitive version. And Mm -hmm. the Double Fine version is the definitive version because if you ever want to play the original... You just click a button and it snaps back from the new graphics to the old graphics. Mm-hmm. Hmm. It's a neat uh, trick. Uh, wow. 4,000 lines of dialogue for a game that did it come on floppies? No, it came that... on floppies. Did it really? Yeah. Wow. Yeah, well, it fir- first I'm... floppy and then CD. Okay. So I, I was a huge fan. Um, it's summertime. Uh, my dad's starting up a new business. I like beg him, uh, Dad, I really want to play this Maniac Mansion game. Okay, fine. You can use my laptop. I put all the floppies, like all the floppies onto his laptop while I'm uh, sitting in a corner of his office just playing this game. And time passes and I'm doing nothing but playing this game. He's working really hard. I'm playing the game, playing, playing, playing. 
dad, I think I smell smoke. Okay, son, whatever. No, dad, (laughs) there's smoke. There was smoke pouring out of his laptop. I don't know how it happened. I don't know if it was just not designed to play a video game or not. You didn't have have the booklet to bypass the copyright protection, man. It set your shit on fire. (laughs) (laughs) That's the only time I've ever had a computer catch on fire. Wow. That's how good the game was. It's not just a marketing technique. Uh, but yeah, yeah, but uh, the Double Fine version has a commentary track on it, which mm-hmm. is very rare. Very rare do you get a commentary yeah. track for games. And there's a couple of interesting things. Like in this clip, they talk about how uh, how do you make music when you don't have a game? Um, how did we... I'm trying to remember how we did... How because... we referred to it to score it, because we would have had to play the game. I think what we did, yeah, I'm trying to remember too. Hold I think up what a we video actually, camera in front of the I think screen. I think what we did was we got a, got a save game made, oh. and we would play it to the next like place where you could pause, or like we would the next space bar point or something like that, and then we would score it, and then we would make it so that the music because the thing was that you couldn't rely on the sync, right? Mm-mm. So you, we had to actually make the music interactive in a sense with the scene so that it could depending on how fast of a machine you had and how quickly therefore the scene would play (laughs) would the music actually hit the right hit points and then proceed correctly to the next hit point so we would have an accordion like we basically had an accordion wow wow, that's that's yeah i i I admire the hell out of modern scores yeah that do that contextual contextual scores but like that's a little more difficult and they can't, they don't even have the luxury of being able to see the game in motion uh, for the most part. Wow. Yeah. Uh, but something I never thought about in the yeah. commentary track is filled with nice, useful things like that. And one thing I was super happy, my 1993 self was like overjoyed to learn that in the sequel, you can put a hamster in a microwave. <laughs> I feel like I should give some context to that. Okay. Uh, yes. The original, yeah, the original Maniac Mansion had a couple of puzzles. It had a microwave and it had a hamster. Because the developers think of everything, you could put someone's pet hamster in the microwave, kill the hamster, then mm. give that dead hamster to the evil guy, who would then freak out, and that would allow you to bypass him. Okay. (laughs) Oddly enough, for some reason, when this was ported to the Nintendo Entertainment System, Mm. Nintendo had a problem with that. It's cheating. It's cheating. uh, They yanked it, they removed it, and they had a completely new uh, way to solve that puzzle because they didn't want you to nuke a hamster. So in the new game, they... uh, tried to bypass that issue in this clip. Gosh, I hope this isn't like the primitive, dangerous microwave ovens of my century. She's Those things years could in the really pop a hamster good. Uh-oh. Uh, that was fun, but only because this is the 22nd century. You see, kids who put hamsters in microwaves back where I'm from get taken away from their parents and put up for adoption. So don't do it. <laughs> uh, yeah, that's so. It's 
even though it's five years on, so they probably wouldn't have to deal with Nintendo as much Nintendo censorship, but also there's no way this game could be put on a Nintendo at the time. And no. not for a long time. But yeah, Day of the Tentacle, Maniac Mansion 2, if, if you're nasty. Um, music of 1993, June 2nd through the 8th. Uh, That's the Way Love Goes by Janet Jackson, still number one. But there are new releases like Elemental by Tears for Fears. Uh, there is no one... Uh, what will take care of you? The debut of Will Oldman, Oldman, Oldham, and uh, Bonnie Prince Billy. Hey Zeus uh, by X. Saturation by Urge Overkill. Supermodel of the World by RuPaul. Uh, Too Long in Exile by Van Morrison. Wide River by Steve Miller Band. And The Recipe for Hate by Bad Religion. One of the most influential punk albums of all time. Yeah, hmm. gotta give a shout out to Recipe for Hate. Mm-hmm. Uh, yep. Basically, they signed to a major label to re-release the album, and then that basically led to every punk band being signed after that, mm. like every punk band. Yeah. It was huge. Yeah. Didn't think about yep. it happening in 1993. Oh, yeah. Well, I mean, we had the, the grunge and punk are pretty overlapping, but the, they were much more punky. Mm. And... So I thought about going out with like American Jesus by Bad Religion because that's a pretty big thing, but or something from Urge Overkill, who uh, I feel like no one remembers except from the Pulp Fiction yeah. soundtrack. So f- let me walk through my thinking on this. First, I was like, "Oh, we should play Not Bush City Limits" by Tina Turner because mm-hmm. that's a fun song. She wrote it. It's about where she grew up. Then I watched the movie and I forgot when she records that. Then there is immediately a scene of probably the worst violence in the movie towards her and i was like oh maybe not but then australia came into play (laughs) australia has a dance called the nutbush yes that is done to this song that everyone learns in school and just the possibility we could sort of trigger all of australia like manchurian candidates that they all suddenly have to line dance yeah i can't resist that I, I learned the nutbush over the weekend. I'm I'm ready to roll Australia. Well, let's it's do so, it. It's so funny, like looking up like where does this come from? Why does everyone learn this in gym class? <laughs> Nobody knows. Alright, well let's close that out the segment with Nutbush City Limits, but stay right there and we are gonna zap you ten years in the future when we get back. like exclusive bonus podcast commentaries and more from the laser time crew then we strongly encourage you to support this show on patreon.com slash laser time it supports not only this show but all the rest of the laser time network you'll get commentaries play games with the hosts see exclusive videos first and receive an uncut weekly ad-free podcast bonus time speaking of which here's a quick taste Alan over here to yeah. tell me more about not only trip to Japan, the, the most recent person I know to go to Tokyo Disney Sea, biggest, bestest, most expensive Disney theme park in the entire world, as far as I'm concerned. Uh, most big. expensively built, maybe not to visit right now with the strength of the dollar. Hey, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I went to mm-hmm. Tokyo Disney Sea twice to the point where oh, wow. ask me if I'd go again. Would you go again, Chris? I don't know that I would. That place has three-hour lines for everything. Well, the thing that I did, because the ticket, you know, with the with the mm-hmm. conversion rate and stuff like that, the, the ticket itself to the park was only $70. Damn, really? Which is like half as expensive as Disneyland. Yeah. Get Bonus Time, a weekly uncensored and commercial-free podcast every Tuesday, starting for just $5 on Patreon.com slash LazerTime.
Coming in at 2003 with Initiation by Jewel off of... Intuition. Intuition. What did I say? Institution? <laughs> Intuition by Jewel <laughs> uh, off of 0304. Ooh, Jewel's getting all sexy, everybody. Trying to what survive in the pop world. I did not know she she went there, but how can you not and stay uh, atop the charts she was used to? Uh, welcome to 2003, 20 years ago. Other new music releases include Paper Monsters by Dave Gahan. Uh, you Gotta Go There to Come Back by Stereophonics. In the Pursuit of Leisure by Sugar Ray. My Private Nation by Terrain. Shoot Nanny by Eels. Uh, Trouble No More by John uh, Mellencamp. Drop the Cougar. And We Were Born in a Flame by Sam Roberts, as well as Saint Anger by Metallica. Yes, <laughs> really start falling apart. <laughs> Is this the one that that awful documentary is? It's a good documentary. They should just be very embarrassed they participated in it. It is so fucking whiny. I, I can't yep. sit here in a room with you and figure out how to make twenty million dollars. And there are eight hundred careers surrounding us. And like you know, I just <laughs> not sure I like you that much anymore. What a bunch of whiny fucking assholes! <laughs> and you're Metallica for fuck's sake. Just do that shit with somebody else, like a uh, uh, Maroon Five. I don't know, like someone. <laughs> <laughs> who didn't like boost like have some kind of artistic integrity such a shame Saint Anger everyone Saint Anger uh, and 21 Questions by 50 Cent featuring Nate Dogg uh, is still number one as it was last week a uh, little bit of news to remind you what's going down in the world uh, mortgage rates are at a record low or 5.2 per- no I don't care about that I don't even know what that means <laughs> uh, European Space Agency launches its first voyage to another planet Mars. I can't say Mars like Arnold and Mars. Mars. Yep. You and uh, the, their lander didn't work great, but their satellite is still going. Really? Still going. Still going. They've they've extended it's, it to at least 2026. So it's it, the second longest continually active spacecraft in orbit around a planet other than Earth. So uh, <laughs> I know why it's still up there, but pretend the audience doesn't. Uh, wh- <laughs> Look at Mars. But, Point camera at the Martian I, I guess it's ex- know, world and look at the pictures. But what yeah. what what benefit does a, a satellite with twenty year old technology still offer at it, this point? It's really they, hard to get to Mars. Mm. Okay, yeah. it's it's not like when we get the iPhone ten, we can just send a new <laughs> one to Mars. Okay, so so it, some data is better than no data. Yeah, okay. but they they found fucking water. So nice job, ESA. And, and, and just a light modern plug for something nobody is talking about. HBO Max, or Max as they're wanting me to call it. The show fired on Mars. So stupid. <laughs> Why do I have to call you Max? You're not my dog, HBO. How about, how about fine, for a modern day rant, they're like introducing the new Max, and it's just like Batman and Secession, like had all those, and then it's just like Guy Fieri's head and Chip and Joe. You think? These are the same. The equip. This is going to get me excited for your new app. Holy lord! You know what you did? You made me angry. Yeah. That I have to download a new app mm-hmm. on my children's iPads, which means I have to unlock the parental controls, download it, do all Resign these things, in. and I don't know if Max app sucks. But when I first got the HBO it was not Go good. app or the HBO Max app, it was like torture trying to get that freaking thing to work so i have like zero faith in max's but if you can get through it the show i am Mm. 
Oh, I was going to say, I am extra mad at it because they pulled that shit the same day they dropped the new Clone High episodes. True. It took me forever to get to the new Clone High episodes. Yeah, the secession finale and all that stuff. Ah! Like, uh, why make this complicated? But the show nobody's anyway. talking about on there is Fired on Mars. Sort of like an office space uh, meets interstellar space travel, but a graphic designer who has decided he's no longer needed by the Mars company, but can't really be sent home conveniently and has to wander <laughs> sterile corporate halls finding purpose uh, in some some very much like now future on Mars. Starring Luke Wilson, I thought it was amazing. A great show, oh. and nobody is talking about mm. it. Fired on Mars. Um, yes, and then also in the news this week, the one and only Edward Burns. He gets married to Christy Thurlington. They're still together, you know? They're making it work. Yeah. It yeah. Work. Eddie was like, oh, Edward Burns really burned out as a filmmaker. He married a supermodel. Yeah, what else do you need to prove? <laughs> and they stayed married. She mm-hmm. has stayed married to Edward Burns. Hey, yeah. For 20 years. He still looks the same. He does, though. He still looks the same. It's weird. If that's your, yeah, if that's your, like, uh, you know, <laughs> shark-eyed <laughs> boss in uh, Skinny Boys, if that's your thing, uh, go for it. Movies of 2003. I know JR's excited. Uh, All right. January yeah, 7th, 8th. Think- All right. All right, I mentioned this story before. Well, let me tell it again real fast. So a couple weeks back, JR, you, you didn't have the kids around so you could get high. Mm-hmm. And, okay. So and I do not it, do right? the devil's lettuce very often. I don't. It's uh-huh. just not my thing. But I, kids were gone. I had a little free time. I live in Colorado. I was like, why not? I'm high. It's like a twice a year thing. And I'm like, hey, What? Should I watch Wall High? And I was at the market and I scrolled through really fast to see, all right, what do we have coming up? And I thought, oh, this would be so trippy high. And and Chris said he agreed with me. Yes. And then uh, like half an hour later, we get text saying like, you sons of bitches. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) That's what I don't get. I mean, I guess that's we're we're, we're different people. But like for me, it's perfect. It's not like we suggested audition or sallow <laughs> or a Serbian film. We oh, suggested God. a charming animated French movie. The Triplets that of Belleville. I love. I think it's great. Of Belleville. It is. Why are so you so weird? Mad? Because yes. I was like trying to watch this, and my high brain was going. What's that? What does that mean? Is there a meaning there? I don't know. What's that? What's I, I don't get this. Okay. I'm flowing along. Oh my gosh, this is so weird. It's, what? Yeah. Huh? It's like no? a, it's like what a the? grotesque uh French Ghibli film with that feels almost stream of consciousness sometimes with uh mm-hmm. no dialogue really. And yeah. that I, I think that's part of it. I was like Am I too high to follow this? <laughs> Does this all make sense? Am I, I, I just am, am, am I breathing? The cloud? How do I know I'm breathing? Uh, <laughs> God, I, sometimes I hate being high. I get you because I had that too, except with cartoons. It's like the only time, like let loose and let it wash over you, especially musical-based cartoons. And uh, even I find it hard to describe this, and I've watched it like three times. And yep. I, I, okay, so one reason I don't get high is because i don't remember Mm. when i'm high like i Mm. can watch a movie drunk and i can remember it i i have flashes of this film i don't remember this film if you get the distinction i'm kind of the same Uh way with the film despite not i don't know if you even saw it high uh maybe i saw it with some drinks but uh yeah it's it's still joyous 
you can look, watch a trailer at any point and like, oh, yeah, look at those leg muscles. Weird. Uh, yeah, it is. I, it, yes, it's a strange movie. It's basically silent. And it's about this mother and son who and the son is training for the Tour de France. Then he gets into the Tour de France and is abducted by mobsters mm-hmm. who are abducting cyclists so they can be part of a mobster betting ring. And then the mom comes to try to rescue him and meets up with the triplets of Belleville who were cabaret vaudeville stars in like the twenties or thirties. We see their act at the beginning of the movie, which is uh, really weird. We see, Oh, look, there's like, they played with Django Reinhardt and, and uh, uh, blah, blah, blah. what's her name? Fuck. No idea. <laughs> um, God damn it. With the banana dance. Oh, uh, Chiquita. Fuck. No. Um, <laughs> I know you're not the Josephine Josephine Baker. Baker Michael yelled in from the other room thank you Michael who uh, the Josephine Baker story was directed by the same guy who did what's love got to do with it that was the thing you made right beforehand oh mm-hmm. we're tying it all together uh, yeah which became controversial because uh, a couple of years ago some French teacher showed this to their students which I don't know why because there's barely any French in it but um, Josephine Baker came out and they didn't have the context for it and they're like so that's a black woman wearing bananas doing a primitive dance that's racist as fuck and they're like no actually she went to France to escape racism and had it way better there but yeah that was kind of her act anyway and then she was a spy Josephine Baker's fucking cool yeah so the triplets of Belleville now are old ladies and they eat frogs a lot and then they come up with a plan to rescue the cyclists I know that doesn't make a lot of sense. It makes no. sense in the movie, I, I guess. I, had a, I just assumed, well, everybody's aware of this occupation, a fame, a, an aspiring cyclist. <laughs> yeah, it's and they got a dog with them who barks at trains, and it's just like, it's the designs of everything are so, like, Ghibli is an interesting comparison, where it's like if Ghibli all took place in, in a big urban environment instead of, like, beautiful countryside all the time. It's... Yeah, it is. It's strange, but there is just nothing else really like it. No, and it, I, I thought it would. I, I remember I I got a group of friends from work to go see the guy's next movie, The uh, Illusion Artist, and they were. Mm-hmm. Now that I think about it, just as pissed pissed at me at Jr. because similar, <laughs> no dialogue, not really a coherent story you can rattle back on, but just surreal, independent animation, and there's not a ton of places for that theatrically then or now so uh i still appreciate it and this got but this did get wide u.s recommend recognition triplets of Mm -hmm. belleville yeah because it's just i don't know like the beginning of it where it's got sort of the fleischer style animation and then it becomes more modern times or it's this weird european style but yeah i don't know what else to compare it to just it triplets of belleville is just on its own as just weird yeah i think i think it got a much bigger showcase because it was a it streamed on Netflix forever and back huh. when they didn't have a ton of options and why not try it out? And, you know, I, I, I yeah. can see a lot of mainstream audiences having less of a palette for something like this, but for me, it's, it's, it's great. And it ended up getting uh, an Academy Award nomination for best animated film. Yep. And one for song. Did it really? Oh, right. Yeah. And I mean, it had a chance to win, except it was up against finding Nemo for yes. animated features. So. <laughs> In theaters against finding yeah. Nemo. Yeah. Like, yeah, I love the animated feature Oscar. There's always the one like European thing you've never heard yep. of, and then you watch it and you're like, why isn't everyone talking about 
this. Yeah, we got uh, Kung Fu Panda and Persepolis. Jesus Christ. Like, <laughs> why is this in the same category? Um, Secret of Kells. Secret what of the Kells. fuck is that? Oh, it's like my favorite movie now. Okay. <laughs> yeah. yeah uh, ooh, that's a good segue because nobody's favorite movie is the next movie. But it's an important mm. part of film history for a franchise I wish we could stop speaking about, but it's straddling all these decades and released so frequently. Devin uh, Aoki, James Remar, Cole Hauser, Ludacris, uh, Ava Mendez, Tyrese Gibson, and Paul Walker. It's number one at the box office this week. Too Fast, Too Furious. Too Fast, Too Furious. You ready for this? I was made for this. On June 6th. It's not what you drive. Why don't we settle this now? We settle this on the black side. It's how you live. I got a problem with authority. Too fast, too furious. You like that? Might be one of the silliest titles in movie history. <laughs> and I, I still, I love, if you're on Twitter or playing live on Xbox Live or PSN, there's tons of people with two something, two something in their gamer tag names because of how the silly legacy <laughs> of the, the movie's title lives on so many places. Too Fast, Too Furious. But the follow-up to the unexpected, I'll say mega hit, like that was, first Fast and Furious made like over $200 million domestically on like a movie without any major stars and like a really small dozens of millions of box office or budget uh, did really well and then really well on home video. And immediately Vin Diesel turns it down because he's mm -hmm. rather... Yes, he turned down $25 million Ooh. because, this is his words, they weren't taking the Francis Ford Coppola <laughs> method to the Fast and Furious sequels. He didn't want to be in a sequel if it was just going to be a retread. So uh, uh, this is his direct quote. I remember being in a room full of big CEOs and the people who owned the franchise. We were at a dinner in London celebrating the success of the film. One of the guys said to me, we have to do this again. I remember telling everyone at the table, you can't do this again. Not really. You can't touch it. You have to leave it alone. <laughs> I mean, not, not for probably what they proposed to do. Um, and I think that's, that's the fascinating thing about it. My question to you, maybe Diana, because she's more familiar, like what is the least essential Fast and the Furious movie? And is Ooh. it this one? It's, it's either two or four. It's Those are both. I thought this would be the lowest rated Fast um, entry. That is actually four on Rotten Tomatoes. Yeah. Four feels like just a bad remake of the first one. Well, four is when they spend all the money to get the cast back. But I mean that right. but that's what's fascinating about it because in 2002, 3 whenever they start filming this, Vin Diesel has options. Chronicles of Riddick, a multi 100 million dollar sci-fi epic that looks like it has the potential for franchising. He had options. Those options would eventually go away. <laughs> and uh and Paul Walker had options, so he didn't have to do another one either. Uh and and I I find that fascinating, but like the the DNA here that is important, you don't necessarily need to watch the movie it does sort of kick off the like heist team thing and Tyrese and Ludacris are, are introduced to the, the franchise and who mm -hmm. will disappear from the franchise in the next movie. Uh, yep. And, Everybody and, does. Yes. And, uh, yeah. 
but like that camaraderie rather than before it was like subverting the law that never really matters anymore to this the fast i like um yeah so there was something i wanted to bring up about what's love got to do with it that i can find a way to segue into here one thing i found interesting about that movie is that there is like no no one ever brings up race Oh, Even yeah. though we're talking about black performers in the 60s, they're relentlessly touring, but it was the Chitlin circuit, you know, mm -hmm. the, the Southern black Why circuit. Why would you mention race? Then. There's no reason to. And, well, because they're breaking into white music, right. too. Like, I mean, it's true. But on, on, on the, on the Chitlin have... circuit, I'm saying, I, I bet no one mentions race. It is the Chitlin circuit. Yeah, but they don't want to just keep playing right. that. They want to break into white venues and white music. And they do. And they, you know, they do cross that barrier. But it's like it never comes up in the movie because that's not what the movie's about. Right. So it's like not important. I think if they made it now, there would definitely be a big scene about like, this is a whites only venue and you have to come in through the back because uh, shit sucked back then. And here's my weird segue. That's one thing I do like about the Fast and Furious movies is that they are like a, such a rainbow coalition mm -hmm. of characters <laughs> and it like never comes up. Not really. It, yeah. it, the only thing that the it's main thing like that dates the first deal. one is is like the casual homophobia of two thousand one. Other than that, there's like no real social <laughs> aspect to these yeah, movies at all. It's not like, oh, I'm gonna trust these guys. They're thugs, and they said that because they're black characters, and they're mm -hmm. like, no, I'm a computer expert. Ha ha. Yeah, and, uh, it like doesn't come up. And really. It's, it's part of what's fun That's about the Diana. That's because they're family. They're not oh, yet. Family. And do you know how many times family is mentioned in this film? Never <laughs> would mention. Zero. <laughs> this is the only, only Fast and Furious film with zero mentions of family. Wow. And that's because he's not here. He's not in this well, film. It, it, I'm glad you pointed it out because that, I don't think that was truly well defined to the series until yeah. uh, five or, or until six, essentially. Uh, that's why we love each other. It's not about the money. It's about, oh boy. but, but the, the thing, the thing that this movie, uh, the strike against it is what now I think is one of uh, the staple to a fast movie is that there's CG in there always, but like try and show as much practical stuff as you can on screens and relatively simple things like a drag race with no onlookers are very, very CG heavy. And mm -hmm. it is, dated cg at that and it's just yeah. even the stuff that holds up is like that's not what you're here for you're here for like big explosions of real things and fast delivers that very well stunts you've never seen on screen before so putting so much of it in the hands of animators makes this stick out like a sore thumb yeah that that disappointed me just just in the opening of seeing like oh yeah we got cg jumping cars and mm -hmm. it's like i'm extra disappointed because it's directed by john singleton who directed boys yeah. in the hood he brought and so a many baby other boy good in. movies mm -hmm. and yeah it it's just not quite his wheelhouse like I, he's well, I, done I think, action sequences that i liked but I, I think it's the small character stuff that he 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 helped pave the way for the way mm. guys talk and trust one another. Because the first Fast movie, no one trusts anybody. They're not friends yet. And, yeah. uh, but that is here. And that is what Singleton brought to the project. And it's, it's, still, it's still admirable. And a lot of other people, I love seeing how many other people have bothered reevaluating this. It's not as bad as people say. That's four. I'm like, all right, cool. Uh, four yeah. is the vanity project that gets, makes all the, 
all the top line people happy and helps them rediscover what's great about the series in five later on. But this one, again, a weird one. The next one's like a fucking Roger Corman car movie set in Japan. Very cool. <laughs> Very cool. That one is not, don't recommend you skip it. Too Fast, Too Furious. But it also, in spite of itself, number one at the box office, terrible reviews. Massive success. We have to keep making more of these with the cast peeling off and refusing to do them. Um, amazing. Amazing. Uh, too Fast, Too mm. Furious. We yep. Remember Ye. And uh, moving yeah. into television in 2003, uh, June 2nd through the 8th. Oh, God, I love this period of Adult Swim. Ugh. I wish, I almost wish Adult Swim never strayed from the, let's just use our iconic Hanna-Barbera properties <laughs> and make Harvey Birdman into a show. I mean, you and I grew up on... Uh, Cartoon Express. Ugh. Cartoon Express yeah. and all those other yeah. horrible, horrible, horrible cartoons. Mm-hmm. My If Cartoon Network were still doing that, my son would have zero it's reference true. for them. They are, there is a Harvey Bird in the slightest. Uh, Bird Girl, Bird, yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. Paget Brewster's. They brought it back. I don't know if it's been renewed, but it was fun. It was fun too. So. Yeah, it was. It was cute, but it was. It did not compare to Harvey Birdman. Of just the yeah, lunacy. let's take let's take a character and recontextualize them in just the weirdest way possible. And Gary Cole, what is one a bizarre my... choice. Yeah. yeah, let's take Birdman. And turn him into a lawyer who will take the cases of all our other Hanna-Barbera yes. cartoon characters. Wow. Where did that come from? What? I don't, I don't. Uh, but it's a great show. There is totally. zero space between the plot, the dialogues, the gags, continuity bits, inside jokes, non-sequentures. It is coming at you like mm-hmm. a rocket. And uh, I love x the exterminator as Mm -hmm. a character he is like probably my favorite harvey birdman villain who does his voice peter mcnichol hell yeah uh, ally mcfeel and ghostbusters 2 yeah he is on fire it's so weird that like as i was trying to look this up because this is the introduction of x the eliminated because Mm There seems to be, yeah, like the character originally is called X the Exterminator, and I think maybe the episode is, but he's also X the Eliminator, and I forget why it says both, because I remember him yelling X the Eliminator a lot. Um, I don't understand. This is a very minor point. I love his manic pick-me energy. It's so (laughs) fucking funny. Uh, Yeah, he's just constantly hurt that Birdman doesn't realize that he is his nemesis. (laughs) this has episode is great there's a scene when he's like so we should get coffee sometime well maybe uh, and then x goes down and sits and waits at coffee and then he calls birdman and he's like i've been waiting here four hours for having coffee with you and birdman's like did we ever pick a time or a date <laughs> or a place Aww. Iron Man 3 them on the roof alone. But this is his uh, introduction, which I love. We will give you the money, and in exchange you will bring us the crest of Birdman. That's it? Huh? For that amount of money, I thought I'd have to, yeah, you know, kill him. Oh, God, no. What, are you crazy? <laughs> <laughs> Very funny show. And, I, yeah, it holds up, and they... they... 
did a little one-off uh, semi-recently for it, I think during the pandy. Um, hmm. And then in other animation news, I think it's still an Adult Swim, maybe? Futurama? No, no. Futurama, the no, Farnsworth no, Paradox. No, no, yeah. no. This is still the, the Fox years. Exactly. We're, we're, first the run. time is running out, though. We're going to get to its first of four finales. Wow. Yeah, wow. Boy. And coming back soon. And also... <laughs> Not that I Which means cares. there'll be a fifth finale by definition, right? My I, God. I don't have I don't have cable, but like I was just looking at Adult Swim schedule and like Futurama's back on like where I spent most of my time learning to love Futurama on, on Adult Swim. It's back on. <laughs> Weird. Uh but this episode is on first run on Fox, the Farnsworth Parabox. Um <laughs> is this a good introduction to the clip? me a lot before but frankly i wasn't sure we were right for each other either but now i am so how about a date tonight sorry i think i am uh, i think i left my toaster on buddha zeus god one of you guys do something <laughs> come on leela what's the real reason you won't go out with me help satan you owe me <laughs> <laughs> that's my favorite line help satan you owe me but, uh, yeah, yeah. Farnsworth uh, has a box which has an alternate universe in it, but inside that alternate universe is a box with our universe in it, and then both sides have to try to not destroy the other's universe, and in the end, they do it by pulling each box into the other universe, which means there's a box in our universe which contains our universe and the wow. box which also contains the universe. <laughs> What is happening? Uh, but uh, there's a great line in this because they go to the alternate universe and there Leela and Fry are dating. And the difference is in that universe, every coin flip went the opposite way. So uh, Leela was going to either give uh, Fry the worst excuse in the world, what, which was that she had to meet her, her a ghost or she'd just go out with him. And in the alternative <laughs> universe, coin flip was... Uh, different so she went out with them and now they're married my brain remembered the line as so you didn't actually have to go wash your ghost like wash your hair except wash your <laughs> ghost and i think that's the funnier line i think if fry had believed that leela was not going out on a date with him because she had to wash her ghost that would be a better line. So what I'm trying to say is I'm a much better comedy writer than the writers of Futurama, and they should travel me back in time to punch up their scripts. Saul's brother, uh, <laughs> Bill Odenkirk, writing this episode. You're better than, I think, PhD hmm. Bill Odenkirk. Um, yeah, and then another animated news. I have never heard of this. The Mummy, the animated series, ends huh. after two seasons on the WB uh, Saturday morning. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's based on the mummy films. Uh, it takes place from 1920 to 1934, which is not a time Ch period you see a lot of kids' cartoons. Yeah, children's setting. favorite time period, I would say. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah they <laughs> love it. <laughs> but you know, they're going all over the place. You know, uh, from Lake Titicaca to Machu <laughs> Picchu. Oh. <laughs> Sorry, continue. <laughs> uh, and it's uh, if you like the mummy movies i think this is the only it's, continuity uh, no i mean I don't, know. I don't know didn't they not make a, a 
never mind. But more that it, it did receive praise for its, you know, kind of not talking down to kids writing. It's a genuine adventure show with what made the mummy work. And but I couldn't tell you I wasn't able to watch it in any way. Not having the WB. It's very mm-hmm. weird having a missing network in my life during the show. Uh also this week, uh, 44 Minutes, The North Hollywood Shootout, a TV movie with Michael Madsen and Ron Livingston. Oh, my God. Well, at least the, the time period between the history and the making the TV movie is stretching out a bit, unlike in 1993, where they're like months later. This is based on the shootout from 1997 that looks like a scene from Heat. Mm-hmm. But it's not a scene from Heat, and it ends real horribly. But yeah, let's have a robbery, and they are super armed to the teeth with AK-47s and the cops are massively outgunned and uh, yeah, it's, it's scary and weird. I'm so glad we all have AK-47s now. It made everything better. Sweet. <laughs> uh, the, the statistics are in. We're all safer now. Mm-hmm. Or it's the exact opposite. Uh, mm-hmm. <laughs> speaking of much safer, the Tonys. The Tonys are happening again with host Hugh Jackman. 20 years Yay. ago. Hugh Jackman hosting the Tonys. Yep, and uh, it looks like Hairspray is the one that cleans up this time. Because, uh, yeah, how do you not love the Hairspray musical? It's so much fun, oh my god. And the best play is uh, Take Me Out, which hasn't had as much legs, cause, but it's about like 70s baseball and gay players. Um, and that's cool. And uh, Vanessa Redgrave won for A Long Day's Journey in Tonight, and she was nominated 10 years ago. But we just talked about in the last section, and this time she won. And Harvey Firestein won for Hairspray, and yeah. Mm. And uh, then moving on to the video games of 2003, two very exciting open-world experiences from 20 years ago. Toontown Online, which I have not played, but because of the name that of it. surprises me. I would have guessed what? you would have gotten into this. I'm of drinking age, living on my own for the first time. I'm not playing Toontown online. Uh, but, but, but like, if you haven't followed it, it, I mean, Disney poured a lot of money into it. It was a, a, shit, what would you even call it? Like a Second Life? It's an MMORPG yeah. with tunes. You, instead of, you know, fighting dragons and whatever, you go around as a tune, you know, throwing safes at people in Toontown. Yeah. And- you know, and I think that has a intrinsic appeal. And this lasted forever. It's oh, my God. still Did around. The fans saved it. Disney is clearly turning a blind eye, last I saw. And it's still being played and talked about. Because, you know, when we first, I think this is coinciding with the the real heavy adoption of broadband. So this is a lot of people's, like, first big social, interactive or otherwise. They're, this is happening online, and there are so many, I've read so many pieces about people having positive experiences for years on Two Town Online. And same way you talked about semi-recently with City of Heroes. I don't understand it. I don't understand what the gameplay works like, even while looking at it. Um, uh, it's a very grindy game. You know, you go around. It's for children who are free-time millionaires. You know, you right. build up your character. The bigger your character gets, the more gags you can do. You know, think of them as, like, spells in World of Warcraft or something, only they're, you know, Toontown gags. And... Yeah, I could totally see this if this is like your first experience with an online world. Wow, I made friends across the planet while uh, throwing flower pots at the evil bad guys. Yay! 
it, it's yeah, it, it lasted officially for longer than a decade, and is still Toontown rewritten is a thing. I think with the original source code, you can download officially or semi unofficially right now and play Toontown Online. What I probably was more likely playing is Midnight Club Two for uh, Xbox. I don't know if that's a ports or a timed exclusive or something like that, but I love being able to sit down next to on the log next to the kids around the fire and like, you know, back in my day, Rockstar made more than one game a decade. And it wasn't just <laughs> GTA and it wasn't just Red Dead. It was Midnight Club. Midnight Club, a four strong series of, you know, I'm sure there's, that's not coincidentally coinciding with. Too Fast, Too Furious. A... I was about to ask, do you think they timed that release? Yes. How could they not? Because, <laughs> like, it took. Uh, it makes sense. Say, hey, you want to play it uh, took a... Hot Sexy Racing? We got Hot Sexy Racing. Fast and the Furious didn't really get addressed in gaming until, like, after the fifth movie, and then would later get promotional DLC in Forza, but, like, doesn't have a, much of a gaming footprint at all, whereas Midnight Club was at least an established formula from an established company. But, it, yeah, inner, inner city, street racing, neon, nitrous-infused, uh, neon uh, like, colorful cars. Yeah, Midnight Club 2, yet another trip through L.A. Um, yeah, I do not remember what makes this special at all, but uh, it got decent reviews, and I enjoyed the next one much more, I think. Um, but yeah, that's about it for the games. Why don't we close out this segment, um, which is always the same time length for some reason, with some triplets of Belleville, the Belleville Rendezvous. A fantastic score. Oscar-winning score uh, song. Yeah. Yep. Triplets I of love Belleville. Os- it was Oscar-nominated song, and when they performed it at the Oscars... Everyone who hadn't seen the movie had no idea what was going on because, like, they're they're playing a bicycle as a percussion instrument because that's like the kind of thing that happens in the movie. Like right. they make they make their own music through random noises and playing refrigerator. Are they introducing <laughs> Wes Anderson. What's happening here? Oh, yeah, there's a lot of people just like I do. No. Oh. Shut up, it's a fun song. A little hot jazz for you. Yes, we'll close out with that, but stay right there, and we'll take you 10 years in the future for our final segment of 3010. 10 years ago. It's going to be great. <laughs> Hello, fellow nerf herders. Did you not like Last Jedi, Rise of the Skywalker, or would you just prefer a majority of Star Wars fans to take a slow walk into a volcano? What I'm saying is, are you sick of Star Wars? Well, I thought I was, but my co-host Jeremy and Adam beg to differ. Except when they don't. Get ready for a whole lot of love, a whole lot of hate, and a whole lot of geeky therapy in our new series, Sick of Star Wars, with a big giant question mark, exclusively available at patreon.com slash laser time. Here's a little taste. My monkey. There was no internet in 1980, blah, blah, blah. Uh, but I, I wanted yeah. to find people's reactions to Empire Strikes Back because... Yeah, it's the it's the twist, man. W- what was it? What was it when people walk out of theater? How were people talking about this? And it's... One, it's really weird. The only cool record we have of this is Starlog Magazine allowed people to write in. And you can find those on archive.org. And that remains the closest thing we have to a comment thread about Empire Strikes Back when it comes out. But what we did have was wonderful, wonderful news stories. They have audience reactions of people coming out of the theater. Although the critics are disappointed, consumers looking for an escape into fantasy this summer will have the last word. Left me confused. (laughs) 
didn't understand any of it. Special effects were tremendous. Really enjoyed it. Oh, I thought it was pretty good. I didn't like the ending. It could have been a better ending. Get fucked, lady. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, that's Sick of Star Wars, available exclusively at patreon.com slash lasertime, along with weekly bonus shows, over 100 movie commentaries, exclusive bonus podcasts, and more for just five bucks. And that's in addition to the brand new show, Sick of Star Wars, an angst-ridden podcast saga told in nine parts. Listen long and prosper. This is so wizarding. Hello, Mr. and Mrs. Internet and all the ships at sea. It's time for Diana's Classic Corner. We go even further back in time this week to see if there's anything worth watching. And for the week of June 2nd through 8th, ah, so much. A plethora of films to talk about. Let's start with 70 years ago this week. Seriously, uh, 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 one of the best films from my favorite filmmaker, Billy Wilder. Stalag 17 comes out starring uh, William Holden, Otto Preminger, for some reason, Harvey Lembeck, Peter Graves. All kinds of people. Um, it's, it's kind of the inspiration for Hogan's Heroes in that, you know, it's it's a somewhat of a comedy start in a World War II POW camp, but it also has a lot of solid drama, too. Uh, there's, you know, it's kind of a spy drama of, like, trying to figure out who, who can be trusted and who can't. William Holden is, like, one of the coolest people of all time in, in this movie. He's such an interesting character where it's like, how moral is he? Like, does he care about other prisoners? Or is he just, like, the most cynical son of a bitch that ever lived? And then uh, we see him come around to, like, what does he actually care about? Well, we'll find out. Because they're being held captive by Nazis. And it turns out, not good, those guys. Not good at all. So, yeah, Stalag 17. Interesting, fun movie. Goes all over the place. Um, Leonard from Community is in it. (laughs) He is the guy in charge of the barracks kind of amazing like you, you, you don't even recognize him you have to like look at him really hard and realize oh that, that guy's Leonard from Community and he's a, he's handsome he's such a good actor gosh anyway so Stalag 17 70 years ago and let's get to 40 years ago I don't know what the fuck is going on this week because everything is coming out and it is like all worth recommending let's start with Psycho 2 from 1983 uh, we have a special episode where we talk about it so much better than it deserves to be. Like, this should suck. This should be embarrassing for everyone involved. And Psycho 2, solid-ass movie. Really interesting. Total recommend. Also on the drama front, we have War Games with Matthew Broderick, Dabney Coleman, Ali Sheedy. What a time capsule that is. But one of the earlier, like, computer horror movies, if you think about it, it's a, it's a techno thriller. When computers were so new. And it's, like, so iconic that, you know... The only way to win is not to play. For a movie that's 40 years old and about technology and the Cold War also just really, really stands up. It's pretty interesting. Then on the comedy front, we have, I think this is the last pairing of Steve Martin working with Carl Reiner, Man with Two Brains, which is so fucking goofy. <laughs> with Dr. Hafar, who's a brain surgeon, and um, he t- ha- takes out a brain and he falls in love with the brain. And, uh, and yeah, Kathleen Turner is there, and he, he doesn't even really care because there's a brain. It's a, a Steve Martin movie that gets a little less love than, say, The Jerk, and Man with Two Brains is totally worth watching, too. And then finally, I for my money, one of the best comedies ever made, even though it does have some very uncomfortable things in it that didn't age well, Trading Places turns 40 this week. Also, Christmas movie. Yeah, we're going to argue about it. 
because we're going to record a special episode uh, for 80s and death looking at trading places because <laughs> there's some stuff that has not aged well and there is some stuff that has aged better than ever as you know a satire of 80s greed and um, also Jamie Lee Curtis being the most paused women in VHS history yeah, <laughs> yeah. Dan Aykroyd, Eddie Murphy, again, just showing, yep, that guy's a movie star. He's all a 21, and he is a fucking movie star. Old-timers, Ralph Bellamy and Donna Beachy, makes me very happy. I've seen them in movies from, like, the 40s, and that's cool. And Denim Elliott, who is always good. So, yep, that's it. A lot of recommends this week, so stay classic. You know that we are still young, so Chill pills, ease off the throttle Never go to loud clubs cause it's bad for your ears Your friends will all be sorry when they can't hear And save the hell away from drugs cause they not legal Then bury all your money in the backyard like a beagle Cause you should never trust a bank, they've been known to fail And never travel by car or bus, boat or by rail And don't travel by plane, and don't travel at all Build a bomb shelter basement with Titanium Coming in 2013 with the YOLO by uh, Lonely Island featuring Adam Levine and Kendrick Lamar off the WAC album. Still pretty clever. I love the YOLO song. Um, <laughs> the Where the moral is to stay inside and don't get hurt. Um, anything could happen outdoors if you try stuff. You, so You only live once. Only live once. So hide. Exactly. <laughs> YOLO. Uh, welcome to our last segment. 2013, June 2nd through the 8th. Other new music releases include Halo of Blood by Children of Bottom. Like Clockwork by Queens of the Stone Age, Grinning, Stake, Grinning Streak by uh, Bare Naked Ladies, Forever Halloween by The Main, Super Collider by Megadeth, Evil Friends by Portugal the Man, Tomorrow's Harvest by Boards of Canada, and 13, the final album by Black Sabbath? Huh? Yeah. Wow. Yeah, really, with Ozzy back and everything. Okay. And there's Megadeth again. Yay. Hey, uh, Can't Hold Us by Macklemore and Ryan Lewis featuring Ray Dolphin is still number one. Um, a little bit of news you might remember from 10 years ago. The first article based on NSA leaked documents by Edward Snowden are published by uh, the Guardian newspaper in the UK. Oh, boy. How do I feel about this? It's, it's... I generally like information and it wanting to be free. There's also some information you shouldn't just give to anyone anywhere. Mm hmm. And, and then he kind of died. And it, it, Mostly, I'm just mad that now I know the name Glenn Greenwald because that guy yep. sucks eggs. Yeah, uh, live long enough to become the villain type of person from oh the internet God. age. What is wrong with you, like, dude, dude? Why, why do you love the establishment so much, you little bastard? And it's it, it, it. I don't know how you're supposed to feel about this because as far as Edward Snowden being a hero or not, and you know, for the most part, I'd say he is. It just sort of sucks. The ripple of it is that every cons this gives every cons conspiracy theory a little more water to hold. Since hmm. yeah, the government was actually doing that. Could well, actually no, the government's been yeah. spying on all of us. Yep. Duh. Mm -hmm. I mean, come on, we make it so easy. We have bank cards and phones and the internet. You didn't think from, that stuff was being archived somewhere. You're an idiot. I'm sorry. From from what I understand, one of the biggest changes is that now the government just goes up to Google and Apple mm -hmm. and all the million other places with yep. a big old checkbook and says, you know how you sell information to everyone else? Yeah. Sell it to us and make a lot of money. Mm -hmm. and so yeah. 
here's your information. What are you going to do with it? I don't know. I mean, this information was obtained by a private company and you signed a document saying that private company can sell to whoever the hell they want. That's, that's what most of your things are saying. When you click your little yes, Xbox and you're signing up for a new system, generally speaking, if you ever read that entire document, which to be clear, I've never done in my entire life. Nope. Mm. But somewhere in that, it says, we can sell your information to whoever we want. Guess what? Government sometimes wants that information. And also, like, there's a database the government can just go into now. They could sue you for the information. Can you sue them for taking the information? Probably not. It's Hmm? (laughs) uh, probably not. And you read a little try. You get a little little rectangle in your pocket doing all the work of the NSA a couple of years ago. Yeah. I would say that he accomplished nothing. Leaving aside whether you think he's a hero or a villain, I don't think he changed a damn thing. And I think we are observed far more in 2023 than we were in 2013. Is that I think that's fair. To, really? No, I think that's fair. To, absolutely yeah. fair to say. Because, mm-hmm. you know, I think, what was I reading? Like, one of the biggest, like, data, when data became, like, valuable, I think that was brought about because the Weather Channel all of a sudden decided like, hey, we have all this data on people checking the weather and their proximity and the other stuff they do on their phone. Who knew this was valuable? Made millions off of it. Why wouldn't somebody... And they weren't trying to do that. It just turns out the data they had was incredibly valuable. And how many apps do you use like the Weather Channel? Rideshare apps, grocery apps, dating apps. If if you use an app that is free, like Mm -hmm. Instagram, you're you're the product. product. Yep. Yep. Just the way it is. You just got to know it. You just, as long as you know it, and, then it's not so bad, I guess. And yeah, while I don't care about my perfect, my personal privacy much at all, I don't think that's... I'm not everybody, and there's plenty of other people who their privacy should be... Moving on <laughs> to 2013 mm-hmm. movies. This is a bit uh, above our pay grade. It's yeah, a very yeah, yeah, complicated yeah. issue. Totally. Yeah. And it's okay to feel complicated about it. Um, yeah. And uh, 2013 movies, June 2nd through the 8th, uh, some some horror kicking us off and uh, taking us out movie-wise. Mindy Robinson, Lawrence Michael Levine, Kevin Hunt, Hannah Hughes, Elsie Holt, Bet Cassette, uh, Devin Brookshire, Oka Antara, Fatri Alba, and Kelsey Abbott. A bunch of names Diana made me read for VHS2. <laughs> All of these people, I, I did not see VHS2. I did enjoy VHS1, and I hope anthology movies stick around forever. They're the best. So I'm not a fan of found footage movies, but I did watch VHS one for this show mm-hmm. and I did watch VHS two and who boy was this rushed into production. Okay. Mm-hmm. They, uh, they, they were like, we need to go while the iron is hot. Mm-hmm. But the odd thing is it has a much bigger budget than mm-hmm. VHS one. And they go a lot of other places. They're like, here's, Oh, there is one genuinely like interesting segment because mm-hmm. it's a anthology film they have you watch a zombie outbreak through the eyes of a zombie because a guy yeah. is wearing a gopro while he's uh riding his bicycle gets bitten and then becomes a zombie and then you're watching his gopro as he's wow. transformed into a zombie and spreading the zombie virus that was interesting that's amazing that was one of those things it's, where that's a great idea yeah movie. The zombie equivalent of bacon, 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 bacon. It's bacon. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, and I believe that's the one that is directed by the Blair Witch guys. Oh, Oh, they know a little about found footage movies. 
but uh, this was okay. I, I, the newness wasn't as interesting to me as VHS one, because obviously they're, they're repeating the same thing, but they introduced continuity. Like the framing device is like continuing the framing device from the last film. Hmm. That was, that was a interesting choice for them to make. And then right. hard pivot to next up. Um, um, Marine Jean P- Baptiste, uh, James Gandolfini, Danny Trejo, Alex Bledel, and Sorsha Ronan in Violet and Daisy. I don't know yeah. anything about this. I thought I saw yeah, it. this like barely got released. I, I think it might have technically just been direct to DVD or streaming everywhere. Um, but I mean, it does connect in that it's about violence. It's about two teenage hit women, mm. girls, hit girls, and um. Not a lot of people had nice things to say about it. They said, basically, it's a Tarantino ripoff 20 years too late. Mm. Except that Gandolfini is their target, and then they start feeling bad for him. And then, and that Gandolfini is really good. And spoiler alert, we have very little Gandolfini left. Yeah. Oh, so little. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, didn't get around to it. I, I, I was a film student in the late 90s, man. I had my fill of Tarantino ripoffs. So, yeah. Violet and Daisy, let us know in the comments. Did you like it? Have you even heard of it? Anyway. Yes. Yeah, I'm a huge Gandolfini fan, and I couldn't find this. Sorry. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, speaking of someone's overrule, we we have very little of um, Mm. at this point. This is just scratching the surface of the cast. Uh, Fran uh, Fran Kranz, uh, Clark Gregg, Nathan Fillion, and Amy Acker. Ladies and gentlemen, it's the for the first time in 30 2010 history, it's the second same movie, Much Ado About Nothing, <laughs> 2013 Joss Whedon edition. I hope to see you with a husband. I'd rather hear my dog bark. There was a merry war betwixt Benedict and her. By this hand, I love thee. Rated PG-13 in theaters June 21st. Yeah, Much Ado About Nothing, 2013. 13 i think you know i think it had a premiere a year or so ago but like technically was it even done yeah i think it screened at a festival in 2012 so it might be listed as 2012 mm-hmm. but here it is actually coming out and it's fine but boy in comparison it doesn't hold the candle it I'm really sorry. doesn't it doesn't there is no reason i would recommend this version over the other version. I wouldn't. I wouldn't. Yeah. Uh, like, what about Nathan Fillion? Well, I mean, he's he's a standout. I guess part of it is that it's modern dress. Um, they seem to be either involved in government and maybe a little gangster type stuff going around. But I don't know why he shot it in black and white. Now, they just shot it at Joss Whedon's house. Right. That's, and it's this, a lovely this house. This is a... <laughs> This is like a weekend project, like literally, like he would invite his actors who he works with throughout the decades and be like, come to my house and drink wine. And so they're sitting around drinking wine and he goes, hey, we should do a Shakespeare play sometime at my house. And they're like, (laughs) "Okay," And then they film it. Mm -hmm. Okay, this this is like a incredible micro budget when you consider he just got done with the Avengers. This is just Mm -hmm. like. The Avengers catering budget is mm-hmm. what it took to make this film. And I don't see the passion. I don't mm. feel like Joss was ever, I have such an urge to do Shakespeare. I really wanted to do that. I feel like this is just him going, this could be fun. Yeah. It's a whim. 
It's a passing fancy, and that's cool for the actors. Right. I hope they had a good, fun time. I don't see what setting it in the modern day does. I mean, I don't get me wrong. I love my Shakespeare and other time periods. Uh, one of the best adaptation, adaptations of Shakespeare I ever saw had all the adults in Romeo and Juliet wear period pieces and all the children in Romeo and Juliet wear modern day clothing. And that yeah. was awesome because it allowed you to really visualize the generational conflict. Now that is an example of adapting Shakespeare and adding something to the text in your adaptation. I don't see what Joss is adding by setting it at his own house. I, I, I can see, I can see, I think it's obviously we're recommending the other one because that is like a literal production. Someone trying to make the idealized version of the movie. Whereas Joss Whedon here is just trying to see like, can I make this for no money without anybody knowing about it? It is, mm -hmm. it is just a hair below what he did with uh Dr. Horrible. And you know, right. since we all knew he could make something outside the system, I wasn't that impressed by the idea, idea that he did it. Really? Did you make a play in your house with your millionaire friends? Cool. Like this yeah. should have been like a, to pay to see it in theaters? Never. Never would I do that. Yeah, I was no. a huge Joss fan at the time and I didn't see it in theaters, mm -hmm. you know? I mean, well, no. this is your second to last chance to ever do that. I was even, Homeboy hasn't tweeted in years. I, I don't know if he's ever going to do anything again. So Oh, he will. He he directed two movies that made over a billion dollars and he, not a nice guy, but his crimes aren't literal crimes. He's not in mm. jail. Like and, some and Daily Wire's making movies now, so who knows? He can direct G Gina Carano in something. Oh, God. <laughs> don't. Don't. I, I, I don't want to anyway. see it either. No. Yeah, I feel bad because this I, by itself in a vacuum, it's fine. Right. It's in comparison where it really starts to hurt, where it's like some of the actors are better than others. Some of them just I feel like because they're feeling very natural and conversational, like what's important is isn't standing out as much. Like it was harder for me to get into Shakespeare brain watching mm. this one than I did the other one. But there's some people I think are really good. You know, I thought uh, Sean Meyer, Mar, um, it plays yeah. the Keanu part. Simon is is a lot better than Keanu. I I like that they recast uh, his henchman as a henchwoman, and it was Ricky Lindholm, who's not <laughs> someone I think of as doing Shakespeare, and she did a great job. Um, Alexis Denisoff it, plays the Kenneth Branagh part, and his physical comedy is a lot of fun, but like his actual dialogue, like kind of left me wanting. Like it's it's fine, yeah, for made a micro budget my. Problem. I don't know why it's in black and white though, because you're shooting digital, so there's no reason to make it black and white, except that it's a muted black and white that made it hard for me to literally tell who people were. I I, I don't know what happened. I got face blindness watching this thing. I I, I can't speak to it because I don't know exactly where film or digital film was ten years ago. But you, you do that it was a lot. Good, and he's shooting digitally. I mean, you, you do that you a have lot. To light to, more for color. I know. Or 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 are you lighting less? Can can post production do more with those colors uh, if you're not shooting in color? Yeah, I don't I, know. I, I, I'm I speculating. I think it was just, hey, black and white is artistic. I'm making it an artistic. Film. Or hey, this movie I isn't going to make any money anyway. Let's dare people to watch it. Yeah. <laughs>
And, and, and in a weird way, I'm glad we did them together, but it doesn't do the film any favors to compare it to a much better production. No, no, uh, not at all. But uh, I'm glad we get to talk about it a second time because I get to be critical of Shakespeare now. Yay. Okay. I know, yeah, I know he's a genius. I, I know the taste in literature changes. Pretty good. I got some bones to pick with you, Bill. Okay. Mm-hmm. Uh the main bad guy in this does his evilness and then disappears from the play only to appear at the end, not get punished, but just be told they'll come up with a punishment tomorrow. And that's part of how they know that he is responsible for the evil doing is because he, once the evil doing is all done, he bolts, which is like, well, now we know you did it. Good. Yeah. Yeah. So just keep lying, dummy. Bill, I'm critiquing <laughs> you here. Hire me to punch up your plays. Uh-huh. Again, time machine, 400 years. Time machine, yeah. yep. Uh, somebody should do a documentary on what his estate is doing. I want to see how many generations have lived well. Oh, his genetic line ended uh, oh, okay. in a That's... couple of generations. He only had one surviving daughter, and then she had, I'm going off memory here, mm-hmm. she had one or two who never had children. So there is no genetic lineage Holy of Shakespeare. Shit. Unless you're looking yeah. at him right fucking here. Nope. Prove me wrong. Prove me wrong. Uh, I mean, he could have fathered a bastard or two. You know, he I was mean, in the theater in Elizabethan times. It wouldn't have been unheard of. Yeah. 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 Mm-hmm. Kind of like Florida now. Got to yep. have to have that baby. Yeah. Also, uh, I don't know if, if you can do an actual production of Shakespeare in Florida because traditionally all the girl parts are played by guys. Oh, <laughs> uh, the other God problem I have with you, Bill, Uh-oh. is that uh, after uh, the lady is jilted at the altar, uh, they say, let's lie to the guy and say that she died of sadness so he'll feel bad. So <laughs> they're having her die of Padme Amidala disease. Right. And... <laughs> They're betting that he's going to be like, oh, that is sad. I'm so, I didn't want her to die. As opposed to being like, yeah, fuck that bitch. That's right. She got what she deserved. Yeah. You know, whenever there's Shakespeare and like a friar shows up and is like, I've got an idea. Nobody listened to him. (laughs) His idea is going to be fake your death and it's not going to work ever, 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 ever. Now now I'm just picturing uh, a bunch of friars in other Shakespeare plays. He's like in, uh, He's in uh, Taming of the Shrew, and he's like, okay, hear me out. What if you fake? No, shut up. It's not going to work. Stop suggesting it. Um, but yeah, fi- final comment on this version. Uh, the actor and actress who plays Wesley and Fred in Angel in this movie get together. So that is the couple that was shipped all throughout the Angel run. They didn't have a happy ending. So it's... I think that's a bit of fan service on Joss's part. He's like, you want them two together? Here, they're together. Mm. Nice. That's cute. Something different. And then um, I'd say decently hard pivot into Eric Andre. What? Um, Man, this Mm. show's coming back. I'm so excited. Uh, Joanne uh, Garcia, Will Ferrell, John Goodman, Asif Mondavi, uh, Max Mengele, uh, Jessica Swore, Roseburn, Dylan O'Brien, and of course Owen Wilson and Vince Vaughn. They are back in the internship. 
Welcome to the Google Intern Competition. We're interns at Google. Oh my God, are those your dads? Now, we're looking at mental hunger games. It's all. I have an idea. On the line. You take a photo. You put it out there on the line. Online? On the line. Online. On the line. When you say on the line, you mean online? Yeah. The internship. I, I'm not, I try not to be a hater, but one of the things I never got was the Wedding Crashers. Never got mm-hmm. it. Yeah, big, big, and I'm, I'm, you know, I was in the right demographic for it. I think, I think my patience with Vince Vaughn had kind of worn out. He'd kind of done the same thing in like twenty movies, and I did love it. Made in Swingers times and old school. I just didn't have the patience to get through this. Um, but uh, yes, the Wedding Crashers go to Google. They're not the wedding. They're not the same characters. I had to double check. No, and, that yeah. might have been interesting. But oh my. Mm-hmm. Where to start besides like what every single ad or what every single review yes. has to say about this, which is so this is an ad for Google. This guy's is a movie to work for Google mm-hmm. because it's not actually showing you how great Google products are. Mm. It's showing you that Google is a really amazing place to go to work at. With all right. sorts of crazy stuff. Have either of you ever worked at a tech company? Yes. Nope. Okay. Or so adjacently. Were, were there any like crazy stuff like that? Like what? Well, like free food. Did oh, you yeah, get yeah. free totally. food? See, I, I've never worked at a tech company, but my father-in-law worked at Palantir for a while and I visited him and I was like amazed you mean i can just take the food yeah. because there is a scene in this where that happens and to me works i've mainly as a, as a worked sh- in government and small business and it's like the idea of just unlimited free food at work it's blew my mind insane. when i was a, a but a struggling podcaster living in san francisco i would have friends i'd see afterwards or come over to do the podcast they were actually interested in doing and he's just like, do you want any food? And I'm like, yeah, uh, you want salmon, the turkey, chicken? What do you want? What do you want? And I just have a full meal left over from whatever the fuck was given to these <laughs> tech startups. Yeah, yeah, I've yeah. seen it. And- tech is a different biz. I mean, at Palantir, there was like mountains of Magic the Gathering cards next to half-empty bottles of vodka. So they were just like chugging vodka while playing magic the gathering at work and it's so weird to me that that's like people's normal job environment it's also sort of a trick i mean obviously if you're an opulent company you can afford things but like i remember the job yeah we got a yoga person coming in a gym uh do on-site oil changes they don't want you to leave because you don't really work a job that it has an expiration date. Everything needs to keep keep happening. So the more we can do on site, keep you here, keep you at your mm-hmm. desk, <laughs> keep you mm-hmm. around. All the yep. stuff you do and from five to eight, do it here. Right. So besides that, it's just like, wow, Google's such a great company. You should love them as a corporation. Mm-hmm. Oh, that sort of thing. The basic plot is, yeah, they're they're salesmen and they get laid off and, um. Vince Vaughn has the brilliant idea of like, yeah, that they're dinosaurs and they're being left behind. So they should try to work at something new. So they apply and become interns at Google, even though they're old and they have no tech skills because they lie you know, and they don't understand. But there's one guy who has, 
honestly, in so many ways, a, a good idea of like, let's give these guys a try because they have a different point of view mm -hmm. and they are a kind of customer that we need to reach. And that's the last good thing in the movie. Yep. <laughs> I think that there's, there's, there's some because good. They're right. I think so many tech companies, maybe yeah. I should start a consulting firm that's called like mom says no. And it's just a bunch of middle-aged women, yeah. mostly with history degrees. Whenever they come up with an idea, you can say, no, that's been done. And that's stupid. Don't do that. No, we've got this revolutionary idea. Instead of having to drive to work, you could get on this like large car where they have coffee and music <laughs> and no one bothers you. And they take you to where you're going to go. Mom says no, because that's a bus. You're mm -hmm. trying to make a bus, but you're trying to make it for yuppies. Go fuck yourself. Yeah, you're moving fast and copying things. Cut it out. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Wait, how about we had banking, but it had no regulations at all. It's like, okay, so when motherfuckers steal your apes. Do you have an AIC to ensure that? No, because people tried this already and it broke. I'm coming for your apes. Killed everyone. Coming for your apes. So <laughs> everything fell apart. That's why regulations exist. Every single regulation is because someone tried that and screwed people over. Mom says no. Please invest. I would like uh, eighty billion dollars in VC capital. Thank you. And also, you can't make something truly. Uh easily adoptable in game changes unless you have those old people there giving their insights too they probably deserve their own special interface and hmm. uh yeah. but I, th I thought that so, was funny because I, I i worry about that too i hey i've been out of the real professional job market for a while and the last thing i used was slack and i was like who would use <laughs> this and like oh apparently everybody and yeah but, but i That's did like the characters being in a dying environment they are they're not just salesmen they're watch salesmen, okay? <laughs> and in 2003, they make the joke of who needs a watch to look at the time anymore? And they ask, like, the 85-year-old secretary what time it is, and she pulls out her phone to look at it. And uh, my Ooh. dad has a very expensive gold watch that he got from his father, mm -hmm. and someday he'll give it to me. But, you know, he's old no offense dad if you ever listen to this show but he is old and even he doesn't wear the nice watch he always wears his you know apple watch because mm -hmm. it can answer texts yeah, gold watch can't tell him whether he's going to have a heart attack in two hours it can't, <laughs> it can't. <laughs> so so you're going to end up with yeah. that thing on a placard yeah. with a hologram of your dad going through the, the middle that's that's where i yeah. picture what you're going to do with the watch but yeah, yeah I, that's... But, but then in the end is this movie funny like the idea of you know, older guys trying to catch up with these these damn kids today. There's plenty of stuff you could do with that. Was it funny? Not really. No. Yeah. Do they have anything interesting to say? No. Do they cram in a love interest? Yes. It's Rose Byrne, who's also really funny and mm -hmm. doesn't get to do anything here. Probably half their age. And uh, yeah, just not. Uh, That's a dumb question. Where do you still encounter salesmen? Because I was shocked. Because I'm not saying I don't think in any way are version of commerce is better than it was before but i get genuinely like unnerved when i meet someone who's clearly making commission now <laughs> like mm. i gotta get the fuck out of here this is <laughs> you're too desperate back off a little bit i don't need yeah. i don't need a couch that bad or a car that bad or you lied to me about the price like that kind of thing uh sort of glad that's gone but uh didn't know where any of you still encountered salesmen because i had to look for a new bed and just like mm. i got like dog piled on by people trying I just that doesn't happen to me anymore <laughs> uh sweaty sweaty salesman but move I'll, I'll how about this don't even answer move on to the big fun yeah. movie this week I don't want to talk about the internship I want to talk about something whose cultural legacy is so much larger than itself and that's 
kind of amazing and i'm gonna get yes, into it because it's it i don't know what it is about this series that hit for me but i think when i was reading a ton of like old science fiction this is like my favorite kind of short story where you don't have to explain to me how this went into effect just tell me somebody thought it was a good idea and that it's going into effect and th- yeah. of course i'm talking about adelaide kane uh reese wakefield edwin hodge tony aller uh max Burkholder, Lena Hetty, and uh, Ethan Hawke in the very first. No, no, that might confuse it with an actual another actual movie, The Purge. The f- part one. There's a movie called The First Purge. <laughs> Shit, but it's number one at the box office. The Purge. The Purge. The Purge. The annual purge has commenced. We ready? For the next twelve hours, all crime is legal. Emergency services will be unavailable. We'll be fine just like always. Your government thanks you for your participation. Anybody tries to come in, you blast them. The Purge. Just remember all the good The Purge does. Rated R. Ah, The Purge. Love it. It's Mm. such a stupid idea. Oh my (laughs) God. I know that's not the point, but, but it's like... Hi, I have questions about the purge. I have all the questions, mm-hmm. and of course, yeah, this movie doesn't answer them, which I like is it. probably the way to go. I have yeah. seen zero of the other purge movies, so I don't know if they explore it it's, more. It's it the purge. If you don't think about it, it is a much more plausible home, like mass home invasion movie. Because but the, the, the details for most of those my, are real flimsy. We're just crazy. That's uh, <laughs> my big critique. At the end of the day, what we watched is a home invasion movie yes. where the purge was not really relevant for like 90% well, of the movie. If they were just in an isolated home, couldn't they have made this exact same film? Yeah, I mean, yes and no. And it's like, well, no one is coming to help them. Anyone who comes is probably going to help the other guys, and you can't trust your own family members. Yes. Because your daughter's boyfriend might have decided, you know what? I'm sick of your bullshit, Dad. I get to shoot you, and there's nothing anyone can do about it. You it get- adds to the paranoia of something compared to like a the strangers or even a funny games. But if you're electing you a, a, everything is crazy right now. If you you're electing no a, a simplistic child, which we might do again. Uh, the idea of something that promotes, hey, be nice to people all the time. Hey, that opulence, maybe don't wear that as hard. Uh, once once a year? Is it once a year? I forget exactly when they do it. Right. It's once uh, a year. Yeah, maybe maybe there's no reason to flex like that because people come for your shit. Fun. Fun to think about until you become a homeowner. Uh, and that's probably <laughs> that's probably why you guys can't stomach it. Uh, but... No, this my number one question about the purge because there's plenty of things he can poke hole in and ask questions. Right. My number one question is how insurance works in this universe. Oh, Jesus! There is none. No, there is none. Not on Purge Day. That's the no. thing. I, I think, and that's why. Okay, uh, as I understand it, the theory is the purge is the way for the rich and powerful to control the poor. Yes. The rich and powerful own a lot of shit. Yeah. The rich and powerful uh, can still get killed in this universe on Purge Day. The rich and the powerful have so much to lose in a purge. I mean, uh, okay, so you're Google, and I decide on Purge Day, I'm yeah. just going to burn down uh, Google headquarters exactly. because I didn't like the new uh, Google Doodle. 
Well, yeah. uh, well, I'm yeah, sure that's the, where that's where the you know the that's the, why they the have a first purge, in. a first purge to show you. Well, you make a mistake sometimes. That maybe that wasn't yeah. I, my 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 actions outweighed you know, my anger. Whoops, a daisy. But but no, the idea is that yes, the rich have more to take, but they also have more resources to defend it. Yes, like whenever who, there's who, fires who, in Malibu, I, there are people who can hire private yes. firefighters to protect just their house. Oh, this is okay, coming. But on purge day. Why would yeah. those private firefighters risk their life versus protecting their own uh, children well, and their own wives? Firefighters might not, but this, the idea is that Ethan Hawke works for a security company. You have massive shutters. You have probably, I don't know, automatic machine guns and electric fences. But JR, to this point, that's what makes this movie fun to think about and see with people because you get to talk about the act in and of itself, which isn't well, and it always it always makes me think I of think, the. I think talking about the purge is vastly better than watching this movie about the purge. I can say that about <laughs> a billion zombie. College movies. humor did a great skit on it. Kill someone. Oh, thank you for bringing up murder. Now, hypothetically, if I wanted to kill Grant, right, and I stab him, stab him just before the purge ends, but he doesn't die until after the purge is over. Does that count? Is that okay? Uh, yeah. Yeah, that's fine. What if it's a gun? What if I fire it, like, right as it ends? The bullet... You're all overthinking this. Let's just deal with these situations See? if and when they come up. Huh? <laughs> <laughs> a jump cut to, uh, yes, the chainsaw. I, yeah, I, I, obviously, there's, there's a ton to dig into, and that's why I, I appreciate this movie having such a big idea. Yeah. And making it on a budget. It takes place in a house. We don't spend a ton of time out on the streets. It's, you know, it, it, it's a locked room drama for, for most of it because, like, they've all locked down for the purge. First of all, there's one thing that I laugh so hard at, though, when they're, like, eating dinner and look at their watch, like, oh, purge is going to start in half an hour. Better mm. lock up the shutters. Takes like, all kinds. I would have had that shit locked down for yeah. days. I would have been in Canada for months. Been, like, mm. The purge is a month away. We're getting everything done this weekend. You know, but I think yeah. I, I don't know. I, I but then, but can I explain the plot, please? Yeah, please. Then, um, a homeless guy who is a person of color is being chased by a bunch of creepy yuppie kids through the neighborhood, and they end up helping him reluctantly. One of the kids lets him in for safety, and then it becomes a siege. Of like, this is probably part of why they think there's less violence is because they're killing all the poor people. Mm -hmm. People can't protect so, themselves. Yeah, people can't protect themselves. And so obviously there's going to be a, a class element. There's going to be a race element. You know there's going to be a bunch of little Klansmen out there being like, yay, let's go. That's get the other thing. Guy. Wouldn't you, some people would spend 364 days planning the race war for yeah. Purge Day. The Pelosi's mm -hmm. execution. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's the other thing. Fire gets out of hand so quickly. Oh, yeah. I feel like arson shouldn't be allowed, but there's no way to stop it. Also, what about embezzlement? Ah, that's uh, yeah. that's why I, I don't think the rich and powerful would like it because it's like, well, I everyone just embezzled all my accountant, my accountant who I have to have access just embezzled everything <laughs> on Purge Day. Yep, great. Yeah, and I I do like I think it's a future movie they get into Purge tourism that this is just yes. America. But that's I, I was going to so say to the films. The, the to the film the series credit, they yeah, it's, they explore more of the logistics as the movie series goes, which yeah. makes it continuously fascinating and fun yeah, to watch and talk the about. The idea being that it's like we oh America's so divided, we're so angry with each other. If we just had twelve hours to just 
beat the shit out of each other, we would feel better. We're dancing like, party. And in the Purge <laughs> universe, it works. In the Purge universe, as I understand it, it's mm -hmm. like the economy is great. Crime is nothing on non-Purge days. I mean, it doesn't make any sense to me. But if you but accept the universe you're being presented... Well, they're also saying that it's a fascist government. Yes. So who the hell knows? They need to remember right. why they need us. And uh, yeah. and it's also a, a culling mixed in with the Nickelodeon toy run of crime for everyone. Uh, <laughs> it's really fun to think about, and 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 I, I understand the logistics, but I still like the Purge. I think I haven't seen them all, but I think they're fun as fun. I think this movie is great. I love the first Purge. For. For what it's doing on mm -hmm. the tiny budget it is doing it on, I guess my big complaint is that Lena Headey doesn't get much to do, no. but it brings up a lot of ideas. Now, here's what I wanted to talk about, the the cultural impact of this movie. Mm. So I was at uh, a, uh, a game night with former host Brett Elston a while ago, mm -hmm. and he was arguing that the Avatar movies have no cultural impact, which a lot of people have argued. Well, not true. He compared it to The Purge. So I ran the numbers. The Purge, mm. my parents know what The Purge is. Mm. Everybody kind of knows the idea what The Purge is. Five film series, its box office is $450 million. That is 20% of just the first Avatar movie. Wow. Wow. But we all know The Purge, and we understand yeah. the imagery I around mean, The Purge. My favorite reference to its cultural impact is that episode of Rick and Morty where it's just one line of dialogue. Ah, oh, shit, Morty, we're on a Purge planet. And like, <laughs> Even if you haven't seen the movie, you know what that means. You know what's about to happen. And they don't have yeah, to explain it ever. Why it's happening, you know what's happening. Purge mm -hmm. Planet. Yeah. So I'm I I I am a big sissy when it comes to horror movies. I wasn't sure how I was gonna do on this because I was worried that some of the violence would get too extreme. And it did not. I social commentary kept me from being too sissified. I forgot to bring I'm it up. You watched this movie. Rest. You watched this fucking movie. I did. Wow. Yeah, a, technically a horror movie. Watched mm -hmm. it because yeah, the the thinking about the concepts and the social satire and all that helped, you know, the the mitigate some of the the violence, which wasn't that bad and I'm literally I'm honestly curious to see where the series goes. Yeah. So, not bad. How strong can you make a bond with a human being to help you during a purge? Mm. A series of human beings. Again, fun to talk about. There's plenty of drama mm. here. I don't need to over-question it. I, I'm with you, JR, on the silliness, but you know, we've seen yeah. sillier horror premises, I think. The horror can play a little sillier, I guess. Um, whew. But uh, speaking of silly, 2013, <laughs> I think... So silly. Is this the longest break in between seasons? Uh, almost three years? I think it might be. I think it's it might a long be. Break. There's a special in between, but like... Yeah, between I don't the, count that. Yeah, the season finale and the series, the season uh, premiere, the Venture Brothers season five, episode one. What color is your clean suit? It's one of my favorite titles. Ugh. I love that this is when well, we just talked about the internship with the mm -hmm. the Google campus and the different teams working together and working on projects and all that. And it's like this is like the most fucked up version of that. Yeah. Yeah, they're the, working on the the campus, working on things, but they're also getting mutated and dying horribly. <laughs> and I just love uh, how the Venture Brothers is just willing to go so balls to the walls crazy. Yep. You know, <laughs> Dean finds love among their new recruits, but then we got class warfare and uh, 
nuclear physics coming into play and it tears the venture compound apart and it's just glorious i love the venture brothers mm -hmm. i love how they took time to come up with each new season yeah i know we're, we're approaching its 20th anniversary we're going to talk about it's it it's moving and uh I, I am so fingers crossed uh for the finale and, and i, 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 I want to give a shout out to this should have taken someone so long Kate McKinnon as a series TV series voice actor, you can't <laughs> luck out on a Simpsons level that hard. Someone who can do like eight hundred thousand voices, but I don't remember her being cast in a lot of animation up until now. Uh, but Kate McKinnon's a guest voice in this of multiple characters. I don't think she would go on to to reprise those. But like, who who is making an animated program and not casting Kate McKinnon? You're an idiot, idiot. Um, yeah. Also ending this week. Uh, Jesus, The Secret Life of the American Teenager, which I know nothing about, nor anything else on the channel of ABC Family or Freeform. Uh, but it's been... Uh, Sixteens in high school, one of them gets pregnant. Uh, basically, from what I can tell, this feels like it was uh, written by 50-year-old childless men whose sole idea of high school comes from watching the local news. <laughs> Okay, I was wondering, well, this is syndication numbers. Why is this? Okay, that's why it's not out there. Uh, and then uh, a show, I'm intrigued, Mistresses debuts on ABC. What is this, like the what's happening on the other side of the First Wives Club? Show me. Yeah, this is based on a UK series of the same name. And yeah, it's four females who are all involved in illicit and complex relationships. And... <laughs> They never stop trying. Um, a show called Sinbad debuts on the Sci-Fi Channel. What the hell? <sighs> Sinbad no, is like the not public. Not Sinbad I want. Yeah. Not Pajama Jam Sinbad. Yeah. yeah. He's like the public domain character I just don't get. Yeah, like I weird. get the appeal of Robin Hood and Hercules, but you get to Sinbad and I'm just like. I don't know what defines what? him because so he's, many. He's a sailor. Yeah. That's it. I, yeah, I don't know. I mean, I've seen so many different interpretations, and it's always about what's around him rather than who he is or what he does. And up to, I was talking to someone uh, going to Japan and wanting to check out Disney, and I'm like, dude, every line there is three and a half hours, and they don't do anything to make it better. And there's one ride with no line always, and it's phenomenal animatronics. And for some reason, there's a Sinbad story animatronic ride in Disney despite there being zero subject matter <laughs> that it's based on. It is just the story of Sinbad, a singing story of Sinbad in Tokyo Disney. C. Anyway, Sinbad debuts inside. Was it set in modern times? Oh boy, a, a sailor. What does he visit places via Zoom? Eh. <laughs> I don't know. I don't care. They just mash up like all of Middle Eastern and North African and Indian culture on anything Sinbad related yeah. and always annoys me. I'm like, come on. Seems like a real easy way to do something insensitive nowadays. I, don't, I can't imagine the subject being approached uh, much more, yep. but onto a television episode that had much larger <laughs> cultural resonance. So much so. I've been, I've been watching reaction videos oh, really? all week. Uh, oh, they're amazing. Oh, I didn't even think to they do are that. Just like the, oh ah. my goodness. Just, just cue the music. Yeah. And let's see if anyone starts screaming. No, she's getting prison shipped in her pregnant belly. Oh, 
That would be none other than, uh, what is this, Game of Thrones season two? Three. Three? Season three in the middle of the season, or is it the end of the season? I forget how they structured kind it. Kind of towards the middle. Uh, so the, 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 towards the middle, you know, it's about, it's, it's episode number nine, so it's not the end, but the mm -hmm. end is coming in in sight. And holy cow, I wanted to record my wife because like a lot of people, I had read the books. And mm -hmm. so this was such a confluence of things. You had to have a wildly popular book series where uh, people knew what was coming, while at the same time, a large amount of people who had never read the books didn't know what was coming. Mm -hmm. And it was all being watched simultaneously. So that's why we have so many reaction videos. I saw I, a great meme at the time of, now you know why your nerd friends were sad in 1998 yeah I, I i i was i remember at the time podcasting and applauding geek culture because i i at this point i was caught up on all the books and like nobody told anybody like or at least nobody listened or spoiled what was about mm. to go down and i i got very lightly spoiled mm. and i i saw some sort of meme that was letting me know we're talking about the red wedding the red wedding the reigns of castamere and game of thrones so I I I saw some sort of meme or joke that let me know that Rob Stark was going to die. He's going to be betrayed and killed. Mm. But I wasn't sure when or so. And like the second I saw that, I'm like, I want to know nothing else. I want to be surprised mm -hmm. when it happens. And then there was a point where it's like, oh, shit, this is going to be it, isn't it? And then I look back now and I realize um, no one should have been surprised because... This is George R. R. Martin we're talking about. True. And mm -hmm. every odd numbered season slash book, he takes our big damn hero, <laughs> who is a good and honorable man. He hasn't betrayed and stabbed and dies in a horrible fashion. Well, that 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 one, three, and five happens three times. That was my special uh takeaway from the episode having read the books. Blah, blah, blah. You've probably heard about this. The story of Game of Thrones is written from specific character perspective, of which Rob Stark does not have one. He is the great white hope for uh, for Westeros. But in the books, he's spoken about mythically and often not present for stories being told about him. Whereas in the show, this is just... He's the same, but also a main character. And how they just dispose of all these main characters right before your eyes and like the it's much more cruel than it felt like yeah. in the book it starts with stabbing a pregnant lady yeah. holy yeah. crud yeah. i mean yeah. that's where half those reaction videos go they go oh <laughs> yeah because like i yeah. think is this caitlin's chapter she's you're seeing mm. everything unfold through caitlin's eyes as she's kind of at a distance whereas there is no distance in this in this episode. You yeah. are oh, living this it episode close. it kicks off. Yeah, the second, like, because I I knew it was probably coming soon, mm -hmm. and they're like at this big fancy dinner at this arranged wedding, and and the he the hosts are pissed off at them, but then it seems like everything's okay. Things are going and too she, well. Like, <laughs> things are going okay, but they seem to be barring the door, mm -hmm. and then she like no puts her hand on the guy's hand and realizes he's wearing chainmail under his fancy clothes and just stands up and smacks him one and it's like oh it's on and yeah y'all got betrayed oh god it's really ugly how everyone and it's it's because if you're a, a casual viewer of the show and you haven't looked up any spoilers these this is the hope for the entire land 
This exactly. is yeah, well. Exactly. Game of Thrones at this point was three storylines. Mm-hmm. There's Daenerys' rise to power, the War of the Five King, and the Night's Watch. Mm-hmm. Those are the three storylines we're following at yeah. this point. And and uh, this is destroying uh, our main hero for yep. the War of the Five Kings. It's like this is the guy everyone wants to become king. Mm-hmm. Everyone is rooting for him. And now he's dead, as is all of his followers and the mother and the unborn baby. And oh, Jesus. Yeah. Uh, like yeah, his whole I, army. Uh, his whole army. I yeah. so wanted to record my wife watching this, but I just, <laughs> I, I didn't do it because I didn't want to like spoil it for yeah, her. If you get caught, what, you're ruining stuff. Are you watching this? Uh-huh. What, what are you doing? What's going on? Why would on earth would you record me watching this episode? Don't think about that, honey. Nothing. It's it's 2013. I'm just playing Doodle Jump at you, or some some other such popular phone game. Oh yeah, so many reactions of just the the shock. Of, oh, I should go look of, at that. of just how yeah how it just picks off so fast and is so brutal and they just they're killing all these all these characters we know and they're just like oh jeez I mean, I... now here's here's one thing. I have a very specific complaint. A lot of people don't like the last season Mm -hmm. because it feels really rushed. And I think here is a place we can point to as why it's rushed or or something that we missed out on because it's rushed. So in the, by we get to the eighth season, we got Jon Snow and Daenerys and they're marching down from Winterfell and they're going to go to King's Landing, which means they come through this area, which has been fought over. And there was already a war in this area. And then all of uh, Jon's friends and family got wiped out here. And we never see anyone feeling any way about it. Mm. They just skip past. Oh, they would come through this exact castle because there's a bridge there. And they they never do out like and then later, later on, like Arya killed all the men responsible. Mm -hmm. Yeah, but that was so sloppily and it was so stupid. Yeah. Do Do the women live there? Is it abandoned now? What did they say happened to all the men? Do they say it was like the plague? But, like, shouldn't we see Jon Snow have a feeling about, wow, this is where my brother got murdered and all of his friends and everyone I ever met? And the mother I who have didn't feelings. Like uh, the mom who, like, didn't really like me, but, like, it's not really her fault. Well, that's that's also know. a nice pivot point that I was tipping my hat for the show avoiding. Caitlin Stark is fucking dead mm-hmm. and doesn't continue to haunt the universe. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah I never got I that. I don't get that. I mean, I'm hoping uh, he's going to do something with it in the final books, but so far I haven't gotten any. Like what? Like what could you do that the showrunners wouldn't? But it's like that that to me was the biggest thing the showrunners just avoided entirely. Um, Because like you said, if that introduces so many other stupid storylines that will need to be addressed. (laughs) Like how does this happen? Who Mm -hmm. did this? Why? What does she want? Oh my God. So as often happens with literature i read and then watch the movie of or television show i can't read game of thrones without picturing the actors Mm. right yeah right i I read it it. before the series came out and i had images of them in my head but now it's just i am seeing the actors in my head how could you not yeah how could you not um Uh, but i don't think this is ever going to happen again i don't think there's ever going to be a mono cultural yeah. moment like this game it's of thrones was the end of uh, everybody watching the same thing at the same time it, we we it's just i'm only saying that because we did a podcast we knew it at the time 
you could even watch yeah. us in the coming weeks, like trying to replace it with something and just we're not watching stuff like that anymore. If the net, next HBO show was amazing, maybe it could have happened, but it didn't. Yeah, but I, I just don't see like a fan base will know yep. a huge event is happening and no one else will. Know, I'm working in a dorky you know? office with dorky people and like it was like a real tragedy had occurred. <laughs> and everybody is talking about it. And, and and I get on Twitter and everybody is talking about it. And I, I appreciate how coded most of the language was. People mm-hmm. had little codes for, I mean, they're just calling it the red wedding. What does mm-hmm. that mean? And then later mm-hmm. there's the purple wedding. I don't know what that means. Or was like R plus L equals J. Right. I, I forgot about that. I'm not yeah. going to tell you what that means, but it means a thing. So. Very, again, I tipping my hat to the internet, polite spoiler culture, like uh, yeah. at the time. But you know, yeah, maybe maybe readers aren't the one being dicks all the time. Anyway, <laughs> anyway, yeah, but 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 quite possibly, Ooh, I feel now. Like this... Now I want to know what is the biggest dick move in book fandom? Mm. Not not books that have been turned into media, but just solely readership doing a dick move. Uh, Harry Potter, Snape kills Dumbledore. People that was like <laughs> happening all over the country. Yeah, and, and it was filmed. Funny. That was so rude. <laughs> So rude. Uh, hated that. I really, I genuinely the hated that. Pati- I, the one particular video of that is literally my inflection to this day of, oh, you bitch. Yeah. <laughs> very, very rude. Uh, I, even though I think I, it, it's not really a spoiler, but when the election turned two years ago, I was, I was cranking news and, and protest songs all around the Home Depot. People were screaming at me. It was kind of the same experience. But, but it's also <laughs> like, I, 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 what I'm, I should have looked into, I think this was like peak everyone's talking about this for game of thrones or at least or maybe it was just jarring enough to make people talk but i wonder where it was ratings wise i feel like this should have drawn even more people in hey if you want to talk to the cool kids about what happened on the program last night because i don't know if there was anything bigger than this this is a lot of main characters and hope for the future that just are slaughtered in front of you unexpectedly. I, I'm willing to bet some people tapped out right now. That, just like, that's it. That you did it again. I had, I thought Sean Bean was the hero. You killed him. I thought Rob Stark was here. You fuck this noise. Everyone's going to die. I don't want to see people. I love get killed. <laughs> Bye. Yeah. I would love to see Done. what kind of ramifications, because this is, I think, yeah, for the zeitgeist, the peak episode of game of Thrones for me, I think. Mm-hmm. And I, I do think the show got yeah. better up until its last season, but yeah. Yeah. Because I, I, I wasn't watching the show, and I heard people's reactions like, no, you can tell me, I know. Uh, go ahead. Um. <laughs> yeah, I, I, it, it's the last show that me and my wife watched the day it came out, mm. you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and all right, and then finally. I'd sometimes watch it three hours earlier because I'm on the West Coast. Hell yeah. Goes, oh, my God. It goes up on the East Coast feed, baby. You got that West Coast East. I had that satellite dish for the time being, and that was just so odd watching Sopranos when the sun was still out, brand new. Uh, mm-hmm. Anywho, moving on to video games of 2013 because there's some fun, well, fun stuff in here. Uh, 2013, the 2nd to the 8th of June. I want to call this Gunpoint Win because I think it's a better name. But it's probably just gunpoint <laughs> windows, uh, gunpoint on PC. Yeah. Um, yeah. And a game about rewiring things and punching people. Yes. And nice. then we had Marvel Heroes. Is that just hitting PC and Mac? Um, uh, yeah. Yeah. This is uh, Marvel's Heroes, uh, originally known as Marvel's oh, right. Universe Sorry. Online. It's, it's their attempt at an MM. 
O-R-P-G. And, you know, it's Dr. Doom, Cosmic Cube, free to play. It's trying to capture the Diablo 2 mixed with an MMO. And I'm I'm just not sure that's the way to go. It's I think it when you get to a game that like we're gonna have almost all the Marvel heroes in it and like, well then everyone has to suffer because you there are clearly some way overpowered Marvel characters in this movie and you can't play against them with certain characters. And Ooh, just that, the way it that's is. a good point. How would you do a thing when you're like uh You're trying to create perpetual balance Daredevil. for everyone. <laughs> And yeah. he's facing off against Thanos. Yeah. How do you do that? <laughs> yeah. Uh, but they made commercials for it, some of which were, were a little funny. Do you crave the excitement of international criminal intrigue but lack the skills to make that dream come true? Do the voices inside your head tell you that you were meant for something more? <laughs> do you sit there day after day seething with the need for revenge but don't know how to get it? Then the Taskmaster Institute is for you. <laughs> Taskmaster uh, being elevated in the zeitgeist. Good for him. And and, and for me, uh, I was working next to the developers. So I would ride home on the train every day with uh, the, the people who made this game. Um, not necessarily divulging a bunch of company secrets, but talking about what a pain it is for now that every day involves Marvel approvals. Not this week for me. Thankfully, that was Remember Me. A game I wish got another shot. I don't know why Capcom released it on PC, PS360, like right at the end of those consoles' life cycles, because it was a very pretty game that I think would have done real well up and optimized for new consoles. And yeah, so you could have Robert Pattinson really be there on 9 No, (laughs) no. It's about a French girl whose name I remember who could replay memory, sort of like Assassin's Creed meets Ghost Trick. No, a lot of, we have a lot of fans of Ghost Trick out there. Very stylized, a uh, don't nod game. I think that people go on to make Life is Strange, and but I think this had been through several publishers, possibly including first party. So there was a lot more money spent elsewhere to make get this game together because it was big and pretty. But they really should have uh, workshot the name so yes. people ten years later couldn't make fun of it. Hey, yeah, do you remember? Remember me. Me. Yeah, I had to write a lot of headlines for the company about this. But I made those very same jokes. Oh, uh, is this what is this? Is this the first time <laughs> ten years ago? This is Skyrim? the first time. It's first time. This is Elder Scrolls Five Skyrim Legendary Edition. Re-release. This is the first time they are re-releasing Skyrim, <laughs> and all it is is it's Skyrim with the DLC. Yes, Dawn Guard, Earthfire, and Dragonborn. Um, Basically, uh, they're saying we're done with major development on this title. So here's everything mm -hmm. we got. And then they would go on to sell it again, like 10 more times. But optimize for 3D or VR or new platforms and such and such. And, you know, I think there might have been some parody with the consoles that, you know, it was harder to make things on PS3 and 360 that they could kind of work all those kinks out. So the one of the best versions of Skyrim's until the next couple <laughs> is out 10 years ago this week. And then there's State of Decay for XBLA, a big uh, first-party release when they were still doing it's doing like Summer of Play, whatever that promotion was, live games, uh, zombie game, didn't get to play much of it. 
Uh, didn't get into it, but a lot of people loved it. State of Decay, 10 years old. And then a rare book. What's the book? I'm guessing JR puts it in here. He's the rare. I put it in there. Among uh, us. The Boys in the Boat, Nine Americans, and their epic quest for gold at the 1936 Berlin Olympics. So that's the Nazi Olympics. Okay. Yay. That's when uh, the Nazis are hosting the Olympics. They're full on uh, Nazi regalia all over the place. And people from all over the world come to compete at it because, of course, you would. And uh, this is the story of the American team uh, trying to win the rowing uh trophy and it's a fascinating look into a very specific time period where it's 1936 it's the middle of the great depression <laughs> and the most important thing in your life is rowing okay ex <laughs> explain why and they get into it and they talk about how they all overcame it it's a fascinating mm. uh look into this moment in time and i wish someone would make a movie about it I, they've been working on one yeah allegedly oh. they were filming last year i think george clooney was directing mm. Mm. yeah uh, i could no, see it that would be good the 36 olympics should be its own fucking genre of movies there are so many interesting stories out of there of Ooh. people who decided i'm boycotting i don't want to go i'm not here i'm not going to support berlin regime other people are like, no, let's go and show them how good we are. You know, yeah. let's put those uber mensch to the fucking test. You still tout like <laughs> ethnic superiority if you lose in the Olympics. Yeah. <laughs> Jesse Owens kicked your ass. What you going to do about mm -hmm. it? Uh, and, and we're going to tell you in a second who died during this period, uh, and then do a quiz you can play along with, uh, with who lived, but this is where I tell you, go to patreon.com slash laser time, throw us five bucks. We'll give you some extra shows. You support this show and everything else in the laser time network, including video game apocalypse every Friday, uh, and sick of star Wars eighties in depth. And I'm going to do some bonus times like right after this for some more modern takes on modern stuff over on our patreon.com slash laser time. If you want to hear me and some of the other hosts over there. Uh, five bucks what we ask give us more give us less whatever you want um, but you know give people give this is how the modern economy works for creators so we need your help Diana where can folks find you they can find me on the twitter at listenernerd l-e-c-i-n-e-n-e-r-d or follow the show at 302010 podcast the 302010podcast coming up next week oh doggy um, we have <laughs> The end of the world is going to be really inconvenient for some Hollywood stars. We've got a Superman again, and we have an adventure. Well, hold on to your butts because we have an adventure oh. 65 million years in the making. Oh boy. That's right. Remains of the day. <laughs> nope. Nope. We have, there's, no competition for it. We yeah. have one movie coming out in 1993 because it's a doozy. Also, uh, next week, Parker Lewis will finally what? lose. Oh, yeah. Everybody pour one out for him and Coob. Uh. The Animal Crossing franchise will turn over a new leaf. Hey, wow. Ten, ten. Yeah. And the best video game to ever be based on. Orphocatociceps unilateris makes its debut. I'm not going to look into that. I can't wait. Can't wait. I'm so confused. Me too. That's why you need to confuse people less by telling us who died during this period of 30, 2010 across 30 years, June 2nd through the 8th. Because, right. oh. oh, man, we lost, we lost one a decade and they all suck. 
1993, we lost country star Conway Twitty, who was only oh, 59. I expected a Family Guy clip here. We can. <laughs> well, that's happened at least six times. Mm -hmm. At least, and I. Do Family Guy's viewers understand that joke? I really don't think they do because I don't think they watch Hee Haw back in the I, day. I have a vague awareness from not being able to watch anything but Hee Haw sometimes where it aired. <laughs> but also when uh, in the 80s when they were talking about country legends, Conway Twitty was always mentioned. And to me, he had like, this is the most pleasantly ridiculous name I've ever heard. I can't name a single one of your songs, but it's hilarious and your hair looks stupid. I love looking at yeah. you. You got to keep in mind, you know, when Family Guy was first coming out, yeah. you know, it was the late 1990s. Mm -hmm. So yeah. we were still of a generation who watched horrible television because yeah. we had no choice. When okay? you, they, they don't even, we, they, we didn't they like stopped. turn the channel hoping we hit hee haw. It was like, <laughs> oh my gosh. Oh God, hee haw's coming on. This is my only option mm -hmm. uh, other than living a life. But I love that about, that? they, they, even Adult Swim, like, kind of like hesitantly ran hand anim cell animated Family Guy because that's like the first three seasons or so. Because the references are just, even I'm like, sorry, man, never really saw Starsky and Hutch, just the mm -hmm. Owen Wilson, Vince Vaughn one. Uh, but yeah, <laughs> the references yeah, are so dated. I, I remember the very first time they did that, where they just cut to Conway Twitty, and there was like that slow realization of they're going to show the they're, whole song. That to me is the perfect family guide like they're not going to keep doing this oh they are N i'm laughing again i'm laughing harder now i'm mad yep. now i'm laughing again even harder holy shit and it, you know it wasn't entirely cheap but then one time they gave him a uh, justin bieber haircut which was a little much yeah well i i hope maybe it introduces music to other people it's very slow usually peaceful romantic ballads is pretty much what i think of with conway twitty linda on my mind mm -hmm. you know never been this far before yeah Anyway, 2003, uh, 2003, we lost wrestler Classy Freddie Blassie. Classy Freddie Blassie. 85. Mm -hmm. I think he's the oldest wrestler that ever lived because most wrestlers barely make it to 50. Well, that's if you're lucky. I think he got lucky slash unlucky because once Vince McMahon Jr. took over for his dad, his dad was mm. in the Freddie Blassie camp. Vince yeah. McMahon Jr., not so much, but he ended up doing things that around wrestling that weren't wrestling like hosting and announcing and managing and therefore didn't kill himself until he was like into his fifties. So he got to live a little longer, but a hall yeah, of famer. But still, I mean, he wrestled bad. all through the fifties and sixties, yeah. a little bit into the seventies. Like mm -hmm. he abused himself so bad, Yep. but yeah, then moved to the, the promotion and the managing and, you know, still, still doing the stage work, just, Maybe not taking as many chairs to the face. Yeah, kind of like help pioneer that like dyed blonde. I am the the biggest heel you could have was someone who thought they were pretty and talked about it. Oh, I want to see that guy beat up. <laughs> Classy Freddie Blassie. Uh, and then in 2013, oh, sad. I really thought she could make it to 100. Esther Williams died. She's only 91. Oh, only 91, God. damn yeah. it. Uh, she's you know one of those classic Hollywood stars that's like, Oh, you're good at that one thing and you're pretty. We'll make you a movie star. Yeah. She was good at swimming. She could hold her breath a really long time and she was a really good swimmer. And so they just made these ridiculous musicals where she swims around a lot. And there's like lots of other swimmers in formations. And you've seen them parodied a thousand times. It's a thousand. I watch a lot of Is old. It, it, hmm. Does Scarlett Johansson play her basically in that that Hollywood film? Oh, shit. That's yes. Coen Brothers one. Yeah. Um, yeah. 
Hail Caesar. Yeah. Hail Caesar. Watching a lot of classic cartoons, there's always like a facial reference, like, who the fuck is that? And it's like, when you won the Olympics back then, it was a huge (laughs) fucking deal. And you were famous forever. You got like a line of women by a pool and they dive in one at a time. Mm -hmm. And then like, maybe they come start dancing around like sort of star formations and stuff. That's Busby Berkeley directing Esther Williams musicals. And they are very fun film of hers i should watch because realistically it's going to be one million dollar mermaid probably million dollar mermaid (laughs) it's a great which is also yeah which is a great title it's also a biopic it's really silly mostly there's just one number from it you should look up it has her best number of all time which is supposed to be on stage i'm not sure how that's supposed to happen but uh yeah you can just look that up on youtube you look up million dollar mermaid You'll see there's a number with guys and flags and sparklers, and it's fucking great. Yeah. Man, Hollywood knew what they were doing back then. It's ridiculous. You can't even peg that to the new Little Mermaid movie because that's more like a billion dollar mermaid. Mm. And uh, yeah, RIP. But with those deaths out of the way, what do we got, JR? We got the birthday quiz. All right. She she would be turning 90, but she died in 2014. Uh, born with the last name of Molinsky on June 8th, 1933, in Brooklyn, New York, to Russian Jewish immigrants. Uh, her father was a doctor, and she had a elder sister before entering show business she was a tour guide at rockefeller center a writer at an advertising agency and a fashion consultant at bond clothing stores wow it during that period this is when she changed her name uh and uh that is the name everyone knows her by uh is it the although old not navy, pri- la- old navy lady with the big glasses no. No. <laughs> Although uh, not primarily known as a movie star, she was nevertheless in The Muppets Take Manhattan, Look Who's Talking, Spaceballs. Oh. Joan Rivers? Ha- Joan Rivers. Yeah. Oh, I was going to say Olympia Dukakis. Damn it. <laughs> She's a movie star. Joan, Joan Rivers. Rivers. I love Joan Rivers. Other films include How to Murder a Millionaire, Shrek 2, and The Smurfs. She won Celebrity Apprentice in 2009. Wow. And uh, if you hadn't got it at this point, I was going to mention that uh, in 83, she became the permanent guest host of The Tonight Show. And she had a deep and uh, loving friendship with Johnny Carson, which was murdered the second she started her own talk show mm-hmm. and Johnny Carson never talked to her again mm. after that. And the next two hosts of the tonight show would not allow her back on because of Johnny's what? lifetime ban, wow. a ban that both Jay Leno and Conan O'Brien out of respect for her did uh, her. respect for Johnny Carson did not allow her back on the, the show the first so she didn't I... make an, an appearance until uh jimmy fallon's first episode when he allowed her back that's on the first time yeah. i heard something about conan i didn't like uh fuck yeah. johnny carson and good for fallon and yeah, to be fair conan's run was pretty short yeah, he, he might have yeah. 
just not got around to it in those six months. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Didn't have anything to promote. And and again, when Jimmy Fallon, his first episode, he's like, wow, I'm a host of tonight's show. It looks like somebody owes me $100. And then a parade of mega celebrities come out and hand him $100. And I think she's <laughs> one of them. So it's it might not have been as momentous as all that. But uh, Joan Rivers, just fucking excellent. Uh, excellent human being. My favorite movie with her in it is The Swimmer. Because she looks oh. young. And it reminded me of that for some reason with Esther Williams. Um, that, fair enough. I mm-hmm. was going to say uh, Joan Rivers' piece of work. Yeah, a great documentary. Doc. So good. And I hate as much as Such an I probably person. shouldn't plug Louis C.K., the episode when she's on it has a wonderful, unexpected turn, and they fuck. Uh, but it's <laughs> what? yes, yes, it's, so she's like 85. Yes, yes, she's too attracted right. to her, she's too good. You can't help Do, it. Does he describe it like Gilbert Godfrey did at her roast? Because that's one of my oh, favorite goodness. bits of all time you can say it where she, yeah where he, he talks about like all night we've heard everyone talking about joan river's vagina how old it is how dry it is how many men died during its construction <laughs> oh it's so good oh, Gilbert. It is so good. oh well with that we are the show concludes the coming weeks are going to be big some i know where we uh, tease stuff but most of the summer until Mm -hmm. we get to like early August, honestly. Yeah. I mean, this is peak summer season. There's, uh, still might have some surprises in store for you. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And, uh, yeah. Patreon.com slash laser time to support us going out with fine with me. Gonna break it down, break it down again by tears for fears. Um, I don't know why one of my best friends and we got cars in the mid nineties, only had like two CDs. This was one of them for my best bud, and I've heard this song so many thousands of times ten years after its uh, creation. But uh, Tears yeah, for Fears. But I feel like, yeah, a lot of people think of Tears for Fears as an 80s band, and it's like, no, they lasted like decent with decent popularity into the 90s because it's like they have at least one song everybody likes. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, tune in yeah. next week. Tell a friend about the show. Patreon.com slash later time. Take us out, Tears for Fears. We'll see you next week. Stand tall like a man. It's on.